In a new age world filled with delusions and wish fulfillment by morons in need of attention, renowned experiencers of high strangeness and podcasters Jeffrey Ritzman and Jeremy Vaney received invitations to a tropical paradise getaway called Paratopia. Little did they know, it was the same type of new age spiritual retreat they've been avoiding all their lives. Don't be shy. Visualize your higher self trapped on a battlefield for eternity. Come on, you can shake it. Yeah. Six little ghosts sitting on posts eating buttered toasts. Ridiculous. Anything goes with Paratopia. <laughs> and welcome. Paratopia, it's Jeremy Vaney, it's Friday, I'm going to get on a bus soon to go to Maryland and visit Jeff for a little bit, and then we're going to uh, Gettysburg tomorrow to do the ghost hunt, and just got the really completely awful news that Mac Tony's has passed away, there seems, I don't know, something kind of gross about doing a ghost hunt after a friend passes away, but... Here we are. Uh, so, yeah. There's that. Paratopia. Uh-huh. It's Jeremy Vaney. It's Jeff Ritzman. Uh-huh. It's uh, the day of the big journey, provided the car starts. The car will start. Don't worry about the car. The car will start. It's a Thunderbird. Oh. Any, any final thoughts before we attack ghosts? Uh... Yeah, I need donuts. Right. As do I. Of course. I slept over at Jeff's last night and had the obligatory <laughs> hearing crazy sounds that scared the crap out of me oh, experience. It's kind of just what you got to do <laughs> to hang with Ritzman, I think. It's like you get visited by the ghosts of Christmas past, present, and future. And they they don't actually teach you anything, though. They just kind of jangle their, their chains. You need porridge. Porridge, I say. Welcome back to Paratopia Extreme with Jeffrey Ritzman and Jeremy Vaney. Where marginality meets anti-structure. <laughs> I'm wearing my Han Shot First t-shirt. That's my contribution to marginality. Jeff, what will you be wearing on the ghost hunting expedition? I think I'll be wearing my uh, my Leonard Skinner uh, 10-year reunion tour from 1987. Because you only want to attract Confederate ghosts, correct? That's correct, but that's why I'm wearing a Union hat. <laughs> to confuse the... Will we be bringing an extreme priest to exercise the place, Jeff? We're going to fuck those ghosts in the air. We're going to fuck them in the Jeremy Vaney here. I'm watching Lisa Richmond in her natural habitat. (laughs) Putting on her face, as my mom might say. If she said such things, she doesn't. But I've heard other mothers say it. And I've pined after them. Oh, how I wish I had a family. Okay, not the point. Lisa! Yeah? uh, What do you expect to find on this ghost hunting expedition? Ghosts? (laughs) Yes. Absolutely. 
You know, I don't know. Is it weird that that you you have to go elsewhere to look for ghosts? Yes. <laughs> These people just can't get enough. <laughs> Jeff Ritzman doing something unheard of in a paranormal show. He's actually bringing a change of wardrobe. Just in case the Leonard Skinner concert shirt isn't marginal enough to attract ghosts, right. he's bringing the Kramer portrait. You remember the episode of Seinfeld where Kramer had a portrait of himself? Well, Jeff's got that on his shirt. And, and not a moment too soon because Seinfeld was canceled, what, like eight years ago? It wasn't canceled. <laughs> it wasn't canceled. They ended the show, Larry. Have you been, if you watched my show, number one show on TV, do you know what's going on here? Oh, yeah. We're going <laughs> We're going to be attracting some spirits, all right. If not in the uh, Civil War neck of the woods, then, then the bar will go for the local alcoholic spirits. Vaney out. Peritopia, Jeremy Vaney here. We're at the Gettysburg Museum where we uh, were supposed to meet Violet Rage, but apparently she thought meeting someone at the museum meant go into the museum where there's no cell, cell phone signal and then uh, and then leave right after when we can't get her on the phone because there's no cell phone signal. So I guess she's going to meet us at the haunted location later this evening. Hmm. So I guess we'll just uh, take a tour of the museum, eh? Lots of war, lots of death, lots of glorification of stuff. I'm sure it means more than that. Just not to me. I don't know. Fanny out. Paratopia. <laughs> We've made it. We're, we're setting up. We're setting up shop. Mark Nesbitt just gave us the grand tour. Uh, we didn't tape any of that because that would have made for a better show. <laughs> so who do we have here in the trip? We have Lisa Andrews, better known as Violet Rage over at Erie Radio and the artist formerly known as Newosphere Podcast. We have... Uh, 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 young Cody Ritzman, Jeff Ritzman's son. We have young Lisa Ritzman, wife of Jeff Ritzman. Jeff Ritzman, the old, the elder. And Jason, whose name, last name I don't know. Morehouse. Morehouse, who you remember from uh, the last, what, Ghost of Gettysburg episode of Paratopia, right? So we're setting up shop, and by that I mean sitting around watching Jeff set up shop. And then we're going to go to a battlefield, and then we're going to come back. I'm probably going to get possessed. Uh, I will stand in a corner backwards, and everyone will be like, Jer, are you okay? And I'll be like, yes, come closer. And then I will start hacking people to death. And then by 3 a.m., Nesbitt will come in and see my handiwork. That sounds about right. Paratopia. We're at Triangle Field. I'm whispering, because I don't want to scare the ghosts. Is that ironic? That's ironic, isn't it? Mm. So this is the place where that dude got that shot of all the uh, ghosts going back and forth in the trees. The footage. Yeah. What is it called? The footage. Oh, the footage, says Jeff. The footage. He's not afraid to speak loud. Right. Hmm. What are you whispering for? We see no Confederate soldiers. We see no Union soldiers. There's just Jeff in a Leonard Skinner shirt and a Union hat. Oh. <laughs> not wearing a Union Oh, that's right. He's got his Indiana Jones hat on now. Never mind. Paratopia. I think there are tourists to my right who are yelling for the ghosts to come out of the woods. I don't know what's scarier.
Lisa Andrews, are you seeing ghosts? No. Hmm. You think we're gonna? It sounded like we have a good chance. Hmm. From Cloudy with a chance of ghosts. Mm -hmm. That's the forecast for tonight. Cody Ritzman. Son of Jeff Ritzman. How long after his book can we expect your book? Never. Are you going to sell him out and say, none of it ever happened, or are you going to like further it and be like, yes, and more? Whatever he wants me to do. Depends if he haunts me in the afterlife. <laughs> Depends if he wants to haunt me or not. There you have it, folks. Cody in a truly Shakespearean story waiting for his dad to haunt him in the afterlife. Where are they going? <laughs> Jeff and wife Lisa have disappeared into the woods for no known reason. We don't even see the glow of their cameras anymore. Uh, I, being from uh, New York City, didn't bring a flashlight. I didn't bring boots. I didn't bring... I don't even know how to twiddle sticks together and make fire. So, if anything bad happens out here, um, they better not be looking to me for, for anything other than getting on this microphone and narrating and making a joke out of everyone's death. Because that's pretty much, that's all I've got. This is all Texas Brigade that came up through here. Okay. Um, they came up through the woods, chased the Union troops through Devil's Den. Be careful. If you go through these woods, the wheat field's on the other side. Are you going all the way through? Uh, I don't think you want to. I don't think I'm going over there. What's what's over there? Large dead wood. Hmm. Black widows. Is that what you said? All right. <laughs> Let's turn around. All right. Black widows live there. They live in. Not allowed. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you guys get anything down here? We can do EVP right here. Right here. Okay. Right here is fine. Right here is good. Anybody want to ask the air some questions? <laughs> Why are you still here? Wrong answer. Jason, tell us what this place is. We're at location number two. What are we doing here? This is Spangler Spring. Uh, this is where me, Jeff, Lisa, have had a lot of activity. Um, this is where Jeff got a really good picture of something over there by the spring. The spring was used by Confederate and Union soldiers during the battle. So, really active area that not a lot of people know about. Cool. But wasn't there uh, snipers that would pick off the Union soldiers coming to fill canteens? Is that the deal? Yeah, it was, that pretty much worked for both sides. Yeah, they was routinely <laughs> come up here to snipe. But these woods over here, remember these are the woods okay. where we got all the weird stuff. Right. They, it's... All right, here we go. We're now at a tower where no one ever comes. It is mighty, it is giant. A girl committed suicide here? So there should be something. <laughs> something that doesn't want to talk to us and will probably push us. Nothing like going up the stairs of a tower in the middle of the night, in the dark. So very dead. Jeff pussying out at the first tier of stairs. Come on, Jeff. Why? Are you have a fear of heights? Yes, I do. I'm sorry. We'll be down, uh, one hour. Maybe I'll take the quick way down. <laughs> Jesus. I'm not afraid of heights. I'm afraid I'm going to collapse from lack of exercise. 
Uh, oh, I am taking the easy way down. I see why this girl jumped. Oh. Oh, that's we made it to the top of the tower. I don't even care if we get an EVP or something up here. Just glad we made it to the top of the tower. Oh. And when I say tower, I mean a tower. Is there anyone up in this tower with me? Besides all the people making noise down there? Forget it. Jeff Ritzman bravely made it to the top of the tower. Jeff, how do you feel? As long as I keep looking at the steps, I don't have a problem. It's looking over the edge. I don't like Climb all the way up the stairs. <laughs> yeah, that's what I did. I just kept looking at the stairs. Whew. Quite a view. Yeah. Yeah. Peritopia. It's 5 in the a.m. <laughs> what it, up? It's a Sunday, officially. We've been at the, uh, well, we've been all over Gettysburg, the various alleged haunted locations. We went to the museum. Oh, we had a grand old time. And now we are at uh, Mark Nesbitt's uh, house, which is the, he's got the ghost tour business downstairs. And he's got this um, apartment upstairs. And he gave us the tour of it. He gave us the history of it. He gave us the identities of some of the ghosties who have been spotted here. And we've been here all freaking night long. Jeff? Uh, haunted? Ghosts? Anything? Uh, yeah, I think there's something. You know, it's really hard. We were downstairs. There's a... I mean, to give you a layout of the place, uh, you, you come into the, the front end of this place, and there's a an entrance. If you're facing the building, the entrance is on your left. You come in the door, and it's a little foyer there, and off to your right is, like, the counter where you book your tour, and then there's, I guess, like, shirts and hats stuff. Uh, like a gift shop. Square room. And then you go back behind that, there's a room called the Green Room, which is where they said that they've seen this Confederate soldier, which I think they ID'd as Hank. Hank, you here? Uh, then back Hank? behind that is the oldest part of the house, which is the entire width of the house, which was a carriage trimming shop owned by Mr. Hecht. And, uh, and then upstairs, uh, you've got a bathroom at the top of the steps. You've got an office to the right. You come into a bedroom, then to a kitchen, then to a, the back room, which is the uh, the top of the trim shop. So um, I know we got uh, some weirdness in that very back room on the first floor that uh, Jason and, and Lisa got, and uh, and we've we've already listened to that EVP, and there's definitely sounds like children laughing, playing, which is what they heard. We know that's our friends upstairs. Could you make some noise for us? And, and I'll tell you the, the God's honest truth. It's it's hard when you're sitting in the dark with uh, five or six other people and you're staring at the floor and you're just listening and it's so damn silent. I mean, this place is quiet for an old house. My wife said the same thing. It's so quiet in here. And when you speak, it breaks the silence. And then, you know, and you, you say, can you make a noise? Can we hear you? And you just don't hear a damn thing. I mean, there's no knocks. You've knocked on the walls. You've knocked on the floor. You've, 
you know, tap tables and all that, and there was just no sound whatsoever in response to that. Um, well, and on the other hand, you know, when I was in that back room that you're talking about on the first floor, uh, at about 3 a.m., I heard what sounded like church bells coming from outside the window. Now, there wouldn't be church bells going off at 3 a.m., but because it's so quiet and because I'm expecting something and whatever, I mean, it's 3 a.m., it's dead quiet, my senses are amplified. Could I be hearing a wind chime off in the distance somewhere that, to me, sounds like church bells? I don't know. You just don't know these things. I mean, now we've got that on video. Hopefully the audio of it yeah. will come out. We haven't listened to or watched any of the video stuff and uh, most of the EVP stuff that we've done up to this point. So right. we've just got our own uh, our own senses to go on for now. Yeah. Um, I mean, with the exception yeah. of that one EVP of the, um, of the children, we did listen to that. Yeah. We got to, we got to amplify and clean that up a little bit, but it's it's most definitely there. Now um, I I had um, when when I went down into Hank's room <laughs> right, down there the, the green room yeah. I um, I sat in there alone. I had the what is it called again? Intro? The theremin. The theremin. I, I always want to say theraflu, but we had a theremin <laughs> in there. And um, so I sat in there. I let my little meditation energy do its thing. And at one point, you know, and so I ask him, you know, or whatever, whatever's in the room, if there's anything there, will it please step up to the mic, so to speak. Right. And pretty much, you know, on command, you would see in this video of this meditation energy sort of raising my hand. Uh, it's like my hand raises and, and all of a sudden you hear the things start to kick in. And I actually thought Jeff was maybe outside knocking on the window. I thought that's what that noise was, but it was actually... The theremin slowly, like, something creeping up to it, and then suddenly, just the loud noise, Hmm. and it didn't stop. And I felt a whole lot of weirdness down there. I felt emotions, and I felt like um, there was a thickness in the room that was sort of surrounding me and and, and all that. But these are also things that I just naturally feel with this meditation energy, so I don't even know... If I did that, <laughs> well, see, I don't. Or, and or when what? We, well, when we first got here, you guys, you, Lisa, and Jason went to get pizzas, right? Mm-hmm. And Lisa and I came up. My wife, Lisa, and I came up and set our our, our gear in and started planting. Now, if you hear my son snoring in the background, he was sleeping <laughs> in the bedroom, lightweight. Um, uh, you know, and then Mark, Mister Mark, came up and said, uh, you know, he was. He was going, and um, and he locked up downstairs, and he left, and here we are alone in this house, you know. And um, we went downstairs. My wife and I went into that green room, and it was the weirdest crap ever because that it was literally the block that is the room. Outside of that room, outside of that door frame, it felt like just like where we are now. It felt reasonably cool and light. You walk into this room, and you're instantly confronted with this heavy feeling like every bit of you is being buffeted by something. And it's it's like a, a chest pressure, like you can't quite breathe right. You know, and I was like, I'm not saying a word. Mm-hmm. And I took you down there, and you said the same thing. It feels heavy, thick, like the air is thick. It feels hard to breathe. you got a pressure in your chest. And what the hell is that? I mean... Yeah, and we felt that some of that up in this other room on the upstairs floor that's supposed to be really haunted, you know, one of those really haunted rooms. Mm -hmm. And when we first came in, we first had the theremin in there, and um, you guys had all gone downstairs, and it was just uh, Lisa, uh, Andrews, and I up here, and and we were in the kitchen, the theremin is in the other room. 
Right. And that thing went off. So we set up a theremin, and it's just going off all of a sudden. That would be that uh, sci-fi thing, that instrument that goes and makes all kinds of crazy noises, and it's got an electromagnetic field around an antenna. It's just gone off. <laughs> Has that ever happened before? You see where it is? Yeah. We were we were in the it kitchen. The theremin might be the greatest thing we've ever done. <laughs> <laughs> Explain the theremin to our listeners so that we know if this thing goes off that we're communicating with something, perhaps. Well, it's got a um, it's got a volume and what amounts to like a squelch on a CB radio. Where if you have a CB radio, if anybody's ever played with those, you have uh, a certain amount of uh, of noise towards the low end, and as you turn the knob to the right, you're squelching out the noise, trying to hear just a clear signal. This thing has kind of like a lip um, on its squelch, which means that if I go and I turn the the dial all the way to the left, you're going all the way to the high end. Right? As you turn it to the right. You go down until you get nothing. And that's the very edge right there that sounds like someone farting. <laughs> so, you know, when you do that, you've got uh, a large stick, metal stick sticking off the top, and you've got a coil around the edge, which is for volume when you're actually playing this as a musical instrument, which means you can... You know, this is the thing that they used to make the old sci-fi, you know... Day the Earth stood still music with is a theremin. So right now there's a buffer around that stick that is about a foot. So if anything, you know, my thought was is there's an energy field coming off that stick that if it's disturbed, you get a tone. So if something that we can't see... Has it ever just that? gone off? Because we were just in the kitchen no. and it wouldn't stop going off. No. So already we put and, it in the and, most haunted room, and, let's say and it's already and just going let's off. Say that the, let's just say it this way. When I came in here, the buffer was about three feet from, right. the, from the stick. So I, I now I've detuned it again. So we're right on the edge, and it's, it's sensitive, but, but not that much. So you've got about, and you're all looking as I'm doing this, about a foot. Less than that on top, about six inches on the top. So... You had a low rumble, and you had the field all the way out here, hmm. which if you move closer to it. It was just a thought. I mean, it's a musical instrument, but my thought is if it puts out a field and something disturbs it, you're going to hear it. And if nobody's near it, we're sending it off. Right. Well, um, I think that's genius, and we will communicate with the dead right after pizza. So I find that completely odd because it did that at a time when that room felt thick with energy or whatever, um, and I had, like, tested out the theremin. So, I mean, it's almost as if, like, I demonstrated how to use the thing, left the room, and then something took an interest in it. And later, when I actually came up alone to do my little meditation energy thing and use the theremin, I felt like there was nothing in the room. It didn't feel like that thickness. It didn't feel like anything. And sure enough, you know, well, nothing that's how, happened. That's how it was downstairs, too. Later on, we go down there because we're like, this is the heavy room. This is where we want to be. And we go down there, and it just right. doesn't feel this. You could feel a little bit of it, but it was nothing like what it was earlier in the evening at all. You know, I just, I don't know. I find that really strange that they would have this overwhelming oppressive feeling at one point and the next minute at a later time when you're thinking oh now we're really getting into this you know you're expecting 
you, you, it, there's nothing there. Right. So that's um, some of the stuff that we felt that was good. But you also, I thought, had a great point about these ghost shows where they say, oh, my God, I felt something touch me or, yeah. you know, that sort of thing, which is that when you're in the dark and you're all tensed up and you're trying not to move and you're barely trying to breathe, that any involuntary muscle spasm or anything like that might feel like somebody touching you. So is, is did you feel like you felt that or... No, I mean, it, that was the weird part is like, we're all sitting there and it's super quiet. We can all hear each other's intestines working <laughs> every couple of minutes. I mean, you can hear them, you know, like, <laughs> you, know, every now and then, you know, for no apparent reason. And you're, you are, I think when you're trying to be quiet, you are breathing open mouth and shallow uh, to do that. And you are remaining absolutely still. And there was a certain point where, we're all noticing how cold it's getting in this room. And we ran baseline temperatures with the thermometer down there, which were between anywhere between 68 and 72 degrees mm-hmm. all over the house. And we didn't have the thermometer. I wasn't coming back up after we got all quieted down down there, all in the same room. I, I, and I think actually that's one of the things that posed a problem here tonight was we had people upstairs, people downstairs trying to do EVPs and all that kind of stuff. And invariably, you know, you're going to hear people upstairs. You're going to hear creaks. You're going to hear all that. So that's one thing. But you're in this room. You're all together. There is no one upstairs. We heard nothing from upstairs at all. And then the room starts getting cold. And Well, that's also the weird thing. I mean, you've got um, how many of us? Six? Uh, uh, Cody, me, you. <laughs> Jason, Lisa, and Lisa. So all in this small room, it should be getting warmer with all that body heat. Right. It's getting colder. Well, it's not only getting colder, but it's it's rising. It's like it's starting seemingly somewhat low because we're all sitting on the floor. And it rises. And it, it, by the time I got that, it was halfway up my forearms. And it just kept coming. And, and at a certain point, I just felt what felt like this little hand, like right on the back of my sp- like right on my spine on the back and I, I I straightened up thinking I don't know what that is that's my back I'm spasming because I'm trying to stay still st- and I, I began to move and it didn't go away but it moved a slight bit to my left and got really cold and at that point my heart started racing because I'm like what is that and it just it just it, it left after a couple of seconds after that mm-hmm. but it actually felt like something touching me but I was also sitting there and felt something that felt like this. And it was my muscle in, in my... Uh, and by that you mean, this is an audio show. <laughs> uh, uh, no, the, 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 it felt like someone's tapping, right. you know, on, on my shoulder. And it was a spasm in my shoulder. It was just kind of like flexing. Maybe that's what a lot of people feel is when they say I've been touched. Maybe that is what a lot of people feel because you are kind of in this state of... You know, just sitting right, quietly and, 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 and yeah. calm at the same time. It's very calm, but... Uh... I gotta say, um, twice I had uh, olfactory senses going that, that I'm not familiar with. That, that hasn't really happened to me. Once was the when I was downstairs, uh, letting the meditation energy go. I smelled at some point uh, male cologne, um, which was not in the room at all. 
prior to that. <laughs> no, in fact, it smells kind of musty down there. Yeah, yeah. And earlier in the night, especially back in the trim, excuse me, in the trimmer area, mm-hmm. it almost smelled like a burning back in there. Yeah, yeah. It smelled like go in there burning. now. That's not there at really? all. Well, that's strange. Yeah. Yeah, there's, uh, so I smelled this cologne, and then I smelled leather, and then it went back to the normal room smell. When we were out on uh, in one of the fields, like the last field we were in, I let this meditation energy go a little bit, and it sort of like brought me over to the specific set of trees for whatever reason. I don't know, I didn't see anything, but at one point, um started sort of slapping my chest, and then had this sensation of heat, and smelled like a burning smell, it was like matches, and then, it, you know, maybe gunpowder or something. I mean, because it wasn't quite matches, and I couldn't quite place it. Mm-hmm. So maybe it was like a sulfury smell or something. But mm-hmm. I, I thought, well, maybe that's maybe that's gunpowder. Here we are in the fields of battle. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, that was at Spangler Spring. That was where that was. And um, and that's a, that's a weird spot. But you were out there a while. I mean, a oh, while. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, because I didn't even know where the hell you were. And then Cody says, is that black shape down there? Is that Jeremy? And I was like, I hope. <laughs> you know what a lot of what I was doing out there was? Walking backwards. the hell is that? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I was walking backwards. I was walking backwards in a circle. I'm like, what What? What would that be? What would that be for? <laughs> I don't know, but you were way out there. I mean, you were up against that tree line. And that is not a short... I mean, you look at it in the daytime when we get out of here. That's not a short distance. I mean, you were way out there. I mean, you were you were no bigger than a couple of inches at the outstretched arm, you know. So, I mean, yeah, I don't. I got a little concerned out there with you being out there. Um, nothing at uh, Devil's Den, where all the big rocks were. Um, no, I didn't let I didn't let that energy go or anything. So I didn't. You didn't nothing feel there. Anything, uh, yeah. No, I didn't get any feelings from it. I definitely got um, when we went to. Triangle Field, which is behind Devilston, we we kind of trollopsed into the woods for a couple seconds, and Jason said to call out for uh, General somebody. I can't remember now. And and I did. And when I did, uh, I didn't get anything. And then I said, I have a message for General so-and-so. And, uh, and then I did hear what sounded like somebody coming up through the woods, but it was very light in comparison to the brush that would be there if somebody were running up it would be mm-hmm. a, a, a lot of noise this just sounded like shit 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 and um, and it almost felt like there was somebody standing there like what mm-hmm. what do you got you know or and it was a weird feeling I don't know that we got any any EVPs out there because we haven't gone through them yet um, I know that the Texas guys were out in those woods uh, so I said anybody from Texas and driving around in the car, following to the next spot, following Jason to the next spot, could have sworn that when I first asked that, given three or four seconds after I asked the question, you hear, uh, me. But since putting it on the computer, and I did try to hear it, I don't hear it at all. Hmm. But Cody, Lisa, we all heard it in the car. Hmm. Same story with the house. I mean, it's the same type of thing as what happened at the house. We heard these things that night recording them. And then the next day, nothing. Static. But you're sure that's not something like getting lost in translation? Like, if we were to listen to it on the little recorder, would we hear it and then I don't it know. on the computer? I don't know. We'll have to test that out. Yeah. But uh, but that was interesting to do. I mean, I'd be curious. It, and, and let's preface all this by saying that it rained like hell today. 
and the wind tonight has been blowing pretty good a couple of times that I could hear. But it's pretty pretty easy to determine what's outside and what's inside. We've heard cars go by. We've heard people laughing out on the sidewalk when the bar is closed. Mm-hmm. But come 3 o'clock is when uh, Lisa Andrews and, and Jason were downstairs in that, in that uh, green room and heard what sounded like kids back in the carriage trimming room, which is the oldest part of the house. And they heard it for... I think they said nine in like 15 seconds. Yeah, there are no kids out here giggling no. or anything. And also, Nesbitt's house is uh, surrounded by a fence. And so yeah, you know, they'd, have to be, they'd have to be right up by the window to hear kids giggling, I would think. Uh, absolutely. I mean, I don't... I mean, that's that's ridiculous. So, I mean... But you, you add it together. It's like in the back room we hear kids giggling. When we all decide to sit down in what was supposedly... Henry, Henry's room, is that Hank's room? Hank's room. Um, the feeling is kids. The feeling we got was being surrounded by kids and yeah. being tapped on the back by a small hand. Yes. yes. Um, and even your son Cody said that he felt yeah children. Did he say he saw them too? No, he just said he, he said it felt like somebody put his put their hand on his back. You know, and that's that's exactly what it is. And and you're talking about Mr. Uber skeptic in there. I mean, snoring on the bed. <laughs> Couldn't give a crap less about ghosts, really. Um, <laughs> and, even and, when I, and even when I was in there alone, I won't say I felt kids, but I will say that it felt like a massive presence of multi-presence, you know? It was like many. almost like being, not necessarily judged, but but being sort of... Uh, sized it up. It was curious. It was, yeah, sized up in a curious way. Um, it just felt that, you know, I didn't see anything. I don't have anything to go on except to tell you what I felt about... The nothing around me. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 But it definitely wasn't, I mean, the point is it wasn't specifically like, yes, there's this guy named Hank here. Right. Um, and so that's at least consistent throughout the night from all of us down there. Now, and the other thing. And I'll, not only consistent, well, but obviously completely different from what Mark Nesbitt has told us. And so I find that intriguing. Well, he said. Because we're not, we're not like. You know, stuck in the loop of like we're going to see what Mark Nesbitt told us we're going to no, see. No, absolutely not. Um, I mean, he he said children in the house. Mm-hmm. Um, he said that's a definite. I thought he uh, said up here though. I was well, he said the steps. Uh, they've seen the little boy. I think he said uh, we were all shit out of DVR running when he was giving us the tour, but we were all just enthralled by what he was telling us and, and amazed at this house, at, at the way it looks. I mean, it's it's astoundingly wild because everything is so. Untouched. I mean, you've got these step downs in per room basis. You know these these weird steps and all of that, and the, and the doorways look like they've been elongated because they were shorter. I mean, it's a, it's a neat house, and um, you know we're we're walking through this, and he's telling us about who's seen what where, and um, and the kids were seen. I think he said downstairs on the steps. There was somebody on the steps. Uh, he said definitely that was a hot spot. Definitely this back room was a hot spot where we've essentially made control central out of all night. Mm-hmm. Um, we're in the kitchen right now with the mic up on the sink and the the the, uh, the Mac up on the uh, the dishwasher. So uh, <laughs> very <laughs> professional outfit. We've, yeah, we've yeah. Got going here. Um, but I gotta say, you know, the one thing that did kind of make me well to your point first that. What he said on a per-room basis, I don't think we necessarily got. The one thing I can say is that when Jason and I were down in the green room uh, alone, and we just had 
the the DVR running. You know, and again, I don't know, but it looked to me like in the spot where Mark said, this is where the guy stands. I mean, apparently someone saw this man as a full-bodied app at one time. And when they walked into the room, the guy turned, faced him like kind of like a who goes there type of thing. And we have to say that this building and the windows that we're sitting in front of right now were used by Confederate snipers uh, during the battle. And Jason said that it's, it's, it's possibly thought that Jenny Wade, the only civilian to die in this battle, was possibly shot by a bullet from this house by accident, of course. So, you know, you've got, you've got that history. So you've got a guy down at the bottom floor protecting the snipers above. We're sitting down there, and it's dark. There's one light on a small table in the next room that's just giving us some ambient light in the room. And right where he said, it seemed like there seemed to be a growing dark spot on the floor. But I couldn't tell if it was my eyes doing that or not. It, was it just a dark spot on the floor, on the carpet? I don't think so. I've looked, and it seemed to go about halfway up the bookcase and then kind of be fady. But it wasn't like legs or boots or any of that. It was just a, a round spot. I think when you start getting to these low-light areas where it's a dim-light lit room, your eyes can definitely wig you out. Mm-hmm. Um, when we were all downstairs in the blue room, uh, green room, sorry, I was seeing sporadic little dots of light out of the peripheral. And uh, and one thing that looked like a, a diamond sparkle behind my wife, uh, on the wall or behind her. I don't know if they were there or not. You know, how much of low-light problems do your eyes have with focusing, with, uh, you know, just rod and cone firing sporadically because it's in that kind of environment? Mm-hmm. I don't know. But there's definitely been some... Personal experiences, I think, a lot. But, what about you know. um, the equipment itself? Any equipment malfunctions that are worth mentioning? Yeah, we set up a camera in the this, the very small room just outside the carriage trim, which is, like I said, the oldest part of the house and all the way in the back. And um, I had an IR illuminator set up on the table that is in that room, sitting in the corner. And it was facing out towards... Hank's room, the, the, the green room. And uh, we had a camera on a tripod. That camera was plugged into an outlet, so we didn't kill our batteries right away. And uh, I don't know, it ran 15, maybe 16, 18 minutes, and then we went down there. You went down to sit down in the middle of the floor with a the theremin. And I noticed that when I went over and I looked in the window of the camera, the IR illuminator, excuse me, didn't seem to be brightening the room like it was when I left. I went to pick the IR up, and it was over 100 degrees. It was raging hot. And uh, I look at it. It's, it's operating fine. My first thought is, crap, I have burnt Mark's tablecloth on this table. And I put my hand down to feel. And the table is that cold, damp feeling we were talking about. It's, it's cold. But yet this thing is raging hot to the point where I could barely hold on to it. And the longer I held it and after I turned it off, it started to cool down. By the time I got it up here, three or four minutes later, it was still 90 degrees. I got no way to explain that. None at all. Brand new batteries, minimal use, brought it up on the table, turned it on to see if it would get hot again. In which case I could chalk it up to a faulty wire or something like that. 
batteries died in it. Nothing. They were drained out. Um, so I, I have no idea what that was. Uh, we had a camera down there that had been charged for the past two days. It was more than full. This is a camera we've taken on vacations and used all day basis, uh, hours of recording. And the thing barely lasted an hour down there. So, you know, the theremin, I don't know enough about the electronics world to know how a theremin works. Can its, can its field grow? over time. I don't think so. We sat down there in that room for the better part of an hour uh, with a theremin, and it was on a damn touchy level. With six of us there. With six of us around it. And uh, it didn't make a peep. Not a peep. And, um, you know, if you can level it right on that squelchy level where you're right in between the and the <laughs> and the silence, if you put it right on that line... Unless something comes into contact with it, it doesn't make noise. What could set it off? I don't know. I was just bringing it along as kind of like, it'd be curious. You know, if we could get somebody to say, uh, can you make it make that noise twice? And it went, brruh, brruh. then you could say, okay, that's a little weird. Almost like what they do with, on Ghost Hunters with the K2 meter. Make it blink twice. I thought if we could get that to happen, that would be really wild. It didn't do that. But it did respond to you downstairs. My question on that, was it you setting it off based on whatever you got going on? Or was it something else that set it well, off? Well, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. I do know that if it's me, it wasn't It wasn't because of proximity. It, it would have been now, because this meditation energy went rah, right and somehow interacted with it. That's what I was thinking when you said that. Cause, I mean, but that said, certainly you know, wasn't the case up here when it just went off. Right. But it's never done that to you, right? Where it just goes off and no, just stays no, on? No, <laughs> um, I mean, if you're if you're in an extremely, extremely touchy level uh, and you've got it you know, running through a big amp, it can feed back. We've got it on a pocket amp, which is a really tiny little belt amp type thing that from Radio Shack. Yeah, so there's no way it's feeding through that. Uh, and especially not at a, a volume like that. It, there was no volume to that. Right. So I, I, I have no good answer for that. The one thing I can say is that I wouldn't have paid any attention to any voices coming through it because at my house I have heard the truck drivers over on the interstate coming through. If they have an exceptionally powerful CB with a you know a, one of these huge coil antennas. And then do you also hear the whir, whir noise with it? No. You oh. just hear them as if it's playing through a radio, wow. um, but but kind of in the distance. No, the, the, the actual tones don't happen. I mean, you guys can look up theremin on the net and uh, see that it was, it was an invention by Mr. Moog, and um, uh, it's a musical instrument. I mean, that's what, that's what it is, um, but it's, it's got an interesting thing about it, and, and my thought was, what would it look like? To a disembodied person, what would, would they see that field around it? Would it glow to them? How do they see this box on the floor with this this thing sticking up out of it? What's it look like to them? And I thought, you know, I, I said downstairs, you know, don't be afraid of it. If it's glowing to you, if it looks, you know, I put my hands. I said, see, it doesn't hurt. Just come over and put your hand on it, touch it, make a noise with it. We got nothing. Um, but you got something in that room earlier in the night. We got it in the in the very back top of the carriage room, you know. So that's weird to me because I've never had it go off like that on a thing. Yeah. But is it haunted here? I, 
I don't know. I, I think there's I, something going on. I'll tell you that. There's something. I, I mean, once again, it you know comes down to I don't know what haunted means. I mean, I, I certainly didn't see uh, anything, <laughs> and let al- you know, let alone a full body apparition. Mm-hmm. Um, and I haven't heard anything that I would say was conclusive of anything. Of course, I didn't hear kids giggling in the next room. So, right. So that would have helped. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I, there's definitely. Well, once again, it's that thing of, yes, there feels like there is something going on. I don't know what that something is. Yeah. But it's not, quote-unquote, normal. <laughs> yeah, definitely not not normal. And I think the other thing that is important to mention is that the, the kids giggling in the room, which we did get uh, some semblance of on, on, on audio, that was 3 a.m. <laughs> the famous time of 3 a.m., 3 a.m., we got more during that little span of time, I think, than we got all night here. Mm. I think that was, that did peak out at that point in time, like 10 of 3, quarter of 3, till about 3.30. You know, we heard stuff. When we all came back upstairs from being gathered in that small room, just because all of our legs fell asleep, we had to get up and walk. We brought the theremin back up, we brought the recorders and everything back up, and, and as you can probably hear... <laughs> can we hear that peritopia? Can you hear that steady Darth Vader like breathing? Can you hear that? That's my son. That's my that's my baby boy in there. <laughs> Snoring like an old man. But I, I noticed that the we've had a camera trained on the stairs all night, like Mark said, that's hot area. I I noticed coming up that the tape had ran out. So we went upstairs, I got a new tape, I put it in the camera, went went to go back downstairs. And I immediately heard something in the store area in the front, which is where the stairs lead to, that damn sure wasn't normal. It sounded like we heard earlier, Jason and I heard, like a scuffling on the carpet, not footsteps, just a a brushing sound, which wasn't the trees blowing, because that's easy to tell, but it's it's that scuffing sound. We heard that a couple of times, like a rustling sound. And uh, I heard that. At the foot of the steps, and it almost it almost sounded to me in between some of that like like little kids whispering like not I mean it just put me in mind immediately of like they're gone what are they upstairs are they gone what are they doing you know uh, and it was really weird and I I ducked around the corner and I told Lisa come here you know and she came over and we heard some some knocks and some dings and bangs and then we went down and as we went down. The dings and bangs seemed to gravitate towards that back carriage area again. It seemed like the, when we moved in, it moved back. Mm-hmm. I thought that was like the coolest thing of the night for me, at least. I mean, that was pretty wild. But going down the steps, I caught this sliver like a triangular piece of something that was white that was near the edge of the door, and it moved. I saw it move. Now, there is a T-shirt hanging down there on a rack that is white. That ain't it. It was in front of that. And I saw it move. Hmm. And I'm like, there was something there. What it was, I don't know. It, it was, like I said, it just looked like the edge of a, if you had to draw it, it would be like a, a, a swooping triangle. Very small. But it was damn sure there. Um, and that, I can say, was not my eyes because that's a pretty well-lit area. Mm-hmm. I, I'm going back up the steps. I tilt my glasses and I'm thinking, you know, I'm looking around and I'm seeing is there something reflecting off of them? Nothing. 
So I don't know what that was, but the, I thought that was really kind of neat. I, I mean, I'd love to have heard the kids in the back room. That that would have been great. And I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, haunted, there's still time. I, I, yeah, like you said, haunted. What does that mean? There's. I think there's spirits in this house. I do. Uh, and when we get time to go over all the evidence we grabbed, it may convince me even more that there is something going on here. But I think uh, I think Gettysburg as a whole is a haunted place. Mm. <laughs> I really do. You know, did we get it tonight? I don't know. We may find EVPs in the show. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's it's. Um... And here's interesting: UFO sightings around Gettysburg lately. Yeah, it's like they knew. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> what? Be nice to get a UFO and a ghost in the same shot. <laughs> we'll work on it. Okay. As soon as we can conjure a ghost, we're halfway there. Right. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, this has been great. And uh, once again, if you want to get on to uh, one of Mark's tours, which are the best in Gettysburg, there are many imitators. Don't fall for any of their crap. Go to the best one, ghostofgettysburg.com. Book your tour through there. He was gracious enough to... She just locked the door and leave in his, in his house. Yeah, leave a bunch of strangers in, in his, his house, house. In his house and his business. All night long. <laughs> I mean, this guy is beyond the nicest man I've ever met in my life. I mean, he's been to my house one time. That's about, you know, we've, we've emailed uh, back and forth. And he said, yeah, come on up and I'll shut the door. I said, would you have time after you get done your tours to come on and just talk with us? And he's like, I'm kind of tired. I'm going home and go to bed. You guys have fun. Gee, okay. <laughs> your house. Amazing guy. I mean, who does that? You know, amazing guy. So thank you, Mark, very much for letting us stay here. And uh, Absolutely. We'll make sure that uh, we, uh, we, we tidy up the bed after my kid gets... <laughs> gets done drooling on the floor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Paratopia, Sunday morning. We're done. We're just waiting for Mark Nesbitt to arrive. Lisa Andrews had to leave early because she found that she had a tick, which means that we're all going to find that we have ticks, which means we're going to get Lyme disease. Fitting ending. Is that Mark Nesbitt? That's my alarm. Go. This is Mark Nesbitt. I wrote The Ghosts of Gettysburg. You are listening to Paratopia with Jeff and Jeremy. Dr. Stephen Greer. And you know, for well over two decades now, you've been clamoring for the next big thing in alien human communication. Well, put your clams away and clamor no more. It's here. Factory direct to your home, the 2010 Hello Kitty Quantumality Laser Torch is just what the professionals use. Professionals like me, Dr. Stephen Greer. The Hello Kitty Quantumality Laser Torch comes in a soft pink pleather sheath. It features a um, super polymer thumb grip for ease of use and durability. This is not a flashlight, people. 
this is a high-tech precision illuminator that utilizes my new patent-pending quantumality free energy particle wave conversion technology. That plus two double-D batteries is all it takes to light up the night sky and call in the aliens. Hello Kitty and Dr. Steven Greer. The future is now. Batteries sold separately. Call me. Ah, here we are, like a great family reunion on Paratopia. Well, almost. Everyone except Jeff's actual family is here. I'll be quiet. Well. (laughs) (laughs) But in any event, uh, we have Jason and Lisa, a la Violet Rage, Lisa, to discuss what? The EVPs that we heard, our experiences. Where should we begin with all of this juiciness? Well, first of all, I guess let's just get um, maybe Lisa first and then Jason, your overall impression of the weekend. Did it do anything for you? Did it um, enhance maybe your belief in this stuff, this ghostly activity, or or did it have no effect? Or did it uh, make you uh, question things more? Well, like where do I start with that? Um, that was actually the first time that I have gone on an investigation like that, but... I have already had my own personal experiences, so that didn't really change any opinions for me. It did definitely um, really show just how boring that can be. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it really was. I mean, yes, it had its fun moments, but for the most part, it really is, you know, a couple hours uh, staring at the wall, and then something might maybe almost could have maybe happened, or it could be a drunk in the street. You never really know. And, uh, (laughs) But uh, it was a good time. Good. <laughs> Jason? Uh, yeah, it was fun. It, um, I've been up to Gettysburg several times, and uh, I never actually got to be in actual one of the buildings to do an investigation. So um, I thought it was pretty cool. Um, I mean, we did get some neat stuff up there. Um, me and Lisa experienced some stuff firsthand, which I thought was really awesome. Um, the pizza was good, and uh, <laughs> I think it was awesome pizza. <laughs> I think um, I think it was worth it just watching everybody about you know four thirty five o'clock in the morning, everybody trying to fight, falling asleep. But uh, I think overall it was a good investigation, good for the first time out. We didn't fight; we lost. <laughs> <laughs> Let me ask you guys: Did you feel? Um, I remember the first um, the room upstairs that was sort of the the living room. Um, that the the woman supposedly haunted, um, and Mark Nesbitt was uh, giving us the detailed history of that room, and Jeff and I felt something sort of pulling on us, and it felt weird. It felt like sort of a thickness or a high strangeness atmosphere. Did you feel any of that in that room? I was okay. I I got none of that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I slept very well, actually, when I fell asleep in that room. So. Well, yeah, later, <laughs> later in the night, uh, I didn't feel anything. When, in fact, when I went in there to sit alone, I, I didn't feel anything. I knew I wouldn't get anything. Um, but when we first went in there, I felt it. I really didn't get much in that room. Um, I did get a little bit in the green room and a little bit in the back room um, on the first floor. But um, as for upstairs, really nothing, um, at least me personally. The, uh, that back room downstairs, I think was the carriage house i could have made that up yeah we, oh, the, back, we sh- the back room that you locked yourself in jeremy that room i kind of yeah that room is kind of creepy yeah 
Well, I think we should um, draw a map and we can put it up on the message board. People can go take a look at, you know, a rough lay of what the house looks like and uh, and go from there. But, you know, that way you can refer to where we're, we're talking about. But but since you won't do that, let's just go on. I will do that. Shut <laughs> up. Since that won't happen by Friday. Yeah, it will. <laughs> it's now, it, what, what day is today? Wednesday? You're a jerk. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Anything in the fields? Did anyone get any feelings from the fields that we went out uh, to prior to this? Um, nope. I was I was good. I had no problems while we were outdoors. Lisa got a new friend. Mm. Oh, that's yes. right. Yeah. How did yes, that go? I got it. Uh, well, he actually gave me lime. While we're being honest. Oh <laughs> no! <laughs> so, Lisa yes, got I a tick. Lisa, the outdoors woman, got a tick. Well, you know, I, I failed to do my tick inspection when we came back in, so that was my. So yes, but I should be I should be clean now. <laughs> I did my, I've done my two weeks of bed. So yes. <laughs> God, I'm sorry to hear it's that. Exciting. Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> she's as you can hear, she's eager to go on the next venture with this bunch. <laughs> yes. Actually, yes, I would. Just uh, it's time I'll do a tick check. It's, you know, it's partially my own fault for laughing so hard at at Jeremy. While we were outside. So that was I shouldn't have picked on him so much. Uh, and there we go. <laughs> that's right. You you were yeah. flustered picking on me. Um, maybe, maybe we need to write up some kind of waiver the next time before we go out. Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> any diseases? <laughs> we're not responsible for any diseases. <laughs> so okay, we just listened to the EVPs, right? We've we've all heard them. One is, well, what we're saying is kids in that room, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, one is. Something that Jeff took out in a field, I guess, what, a few weeks later? The next weekend, yeah. Oh, the next weekend? Okay. And then the next one uh, was what? What was that third one? That is one. Sitting in the green room? Yeah, we we did the the whole sit down in the green room. And I got to say, I mean, the one thing that I think that I would do differently, I mean, I think there was a lot of people, number one. I mean, we had my wife, my son, myself, Jeremy, Jason, and Lisa. And the house is unusually quiet. I mean, for a very old home, it certainly doesn't settle all that much during the night. It's very, very silent in that house until you walk. And when you walk, there are noises galore. I mean, there's creaks and bangs and snaps and all that kind of thing uh, coming down the steps, walking upstairs versus somebody trying to do EVPs downstairs. I mean, we ran into a lot of that. So, I mean, we could just insert this EVP here where basically everybody gathered together. We went down into the green room, which everybody kind of agreed was sort of a, a weird place. And um, we just let the tape player run and we ran it for, I, I think it was close to an hour and a half, two hours. And um, I am still um, going through that with a fine tooth comb. But last night I found this one. Now, the thing I should say about this one is that you've got probably – I mean, Jason and I were looking at it before we even went on. What do you got? Like three or four minutes of absolute stone silence. Right. Um, And then right before I speak to say something like, you know, can anybody hear me? Is anybody here? Uh, We get what you hear is that voice uh, literally milliseconds before I start to talk. 
I can't really tell what it's saying. All I can tell is that it's definitely a voice. It's definitely not any of us. Uh, but as far as what it's saying, everybody's welcome to, you know, download the original files off the message board and and or snip this podcast and take it from there and, and play around with it to see what you think it's saying. I can't really tell. Nonetheless, out of silence, that popped out, and and that was definitely audible. Just listening straight to, you know, a, a loud recording of that night. I was basically just panning back and forth with the the volume levels. Uh, whenever someone would talk or or sniff or cough or whatever, I I just kind of cut it down when I was doing that. Every bit of air, I listened to at full volume, and that's how I heard it. So, <laughs> and so far, out of you know that that was that was heard about um, about thirty minutes in. So, uh, again, you can play around with that, see what you can pick out, but it definitely isn't any of us. Okay. And before we get to the kids one, because I think that's sort of the big story of this night, mm-hmm. let's get to uh, the one that you got on your own the next weekend. You decided to go out where again? To Triangle Field? Yeah, we went to Triangle Field. Um, uh, Lisa, my son, and his girlfriend went up. We rode up on a Sunday. And usually, i got to say that even even when we were all down there, for the Nesbitt stayover, hell, we, we went out to Triangle Field and uh, and Spangler Spring, and there were still people walking around with recorders, with camcorders. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's it's like it's infected with ghost hunters <laughs> in the fields, and uh, you know, and it, that's that's all well and good, but it's hard to do any solitary work on your own. So I went down and uh, uh, told Lisa, I said, you know, go ahead and walk up to the top of the hill. Uh, to, you know, the, the kids were uh, probably a quarter mile away from me, and I was literally at the back left corner of the field. There's a trail that goes, um, I'd say, midway through Triangle Field, and I walked it all the way left. If you're going down into it, and um, you know, I just I just put the tape recorder on. I said, "Hi, my name is Jeff. Is there anybody here that can hear me?" And I got a voice, and I got a voice that I literally could hear walking out of the field when I put the recorder up to my ear and press play. I could hear it right on that. And then when I got it home, I saw that there was more being said after that initial, ah, that you hear. And I sent that to Redwood Jedi from our message board. He hears the first verbalization that you hear in there. He hears that as saying, uh, Captain, but it's said more like Captain, as in Crunch, and uh, and then when I listened to it some more, and I did a little bit of equalization on it, and a little bit of volume adjusting, I hear they're coming from the front. So, Captain, they're coming from the front is what I'm hearing. Whether anybody else hears that or not, that's what I'm getting listening to it through headphones cranked up to 11 and the volume on the actual wave file enhanced. So, Well, I definitely hear Captain, and mm-hmm. I definitely hear the sort of syllables and um, mm-hmm. voice, you know, of where it could be. They're coming from the front. Yeah, um, yeah. So that, that's now, not completely implausible, and we'll play it here for uh, listeners a few times so you can hear this looped over and over again. Uh, thrice. Uh, 
you know, the one thing you can you can definitely say is that uh, EVPs are a little weird because because there's I, I mean there's definitely a voice here in these files. What it is, I have no idea. All I can tell you is that when I was out there, the only thing I heard were birds. Uh, there were no people at the top of the hill. It was getting towards dusk. I purposely wanted to be there as the sun was going down. And Jason's told me that essentially the reason no one was there is because everybody's rounding out their weekend and going home. Uh, so Sunday night is kind of like for my money is the time to go uh, to be completely alone. And as you can hear in that in that uh, that recording, birds, the birds were literally in the tree right above me. And um, and you can hear them louder than anything. But you hear a voice and. I have no explanation why there should be a voice there because I heard nobody. I heard nothing of words whatsoever, um, nothing but birds and a little bit of uh, grass moving. There's some tall grass that fills this whole field. But I, I'll tell you, in going over them, the thing that I mentioned to Redwood Jedi on our board was the first ones that I tried to do here at the house were so faint that, I mean, aside from – Lisa and I listening to them, nobody really heard them that well. They could hear something. And then when we went to Nesbitt's uh, place and stayed overnight, we got a little bit more in your face. And I got to say that when I went back a third time to do this, this is even better. So for me, it almost seems like there's this stair step of a progression that, that it's they seem to be getting better the more that I do them. And uh, and that kind of holds sway with everything that we've been saying about this stuff that, yeah, there may be times you get nothing. There may be times, but the ones that, that you do get seem to be better as the more you do them. Well, didn't someone actually tell you that or didn't – wasn't that – Oh, yeah. I mean, well, that's – lore. Yeah, well, that's been talked about for a while. I mean, I remember seeing a program a while back where a woman was completely addicted to doing EVP work after her husband died. And she had ones that were every bit as clear as the podcast you're listening to. So, uh, I mean, she was incessant, you know, literally from the time she got up, made her eggs and bacon, sat down, EVP until lunch, EVP until dinner, EVP until bed. <laughs> I mean, she was out of control. And um, and people, they were telling her that, you know, look, the more the reason you're getting such clear answers is because – you are doing this so much that uh, you become an attractor of sorts uh, for for this phenomenon. So, again, whether that's true or not, I don't know. I'm going down again this Sunday, and we'll see what I get then. I mean, if we get something even more clear, then okay. Mm-hmm. But we'll see. Right. We'll, we'll see. So let's backtrack now to the kids, because I think this was, if anything – the real story of the Nesbitt place. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, now, Jason, you were dressed as a Confederate soldier at this point, correct? <laughs> no, I um, I was actually, I actually had gotten changed. I was actually in a Union uh, uniform, and then I... Uniform, I'm sorry. And this is at, actually at the point where I just got tired of being, you know, hot and stuffy in it. I just went upstairs and put my regular clothes on. So, um, you know, the uniform really didn't, I guess, didn't draw the attention that we were kind of looking for. Um, considering they said there was a Confederate spirit in that parlor, and it really didn't draw much. But um, from when uh, Lisa and Lisa were in there doing some EVP work, and they, I don't know if they picked up anything or not, but um, 
they sensed the presence that uh, uh, the spirit knew I was there and um, didn't really care for the fact that I was there, but um, he didn't really make his presence known, um, you know, that much. So how did they figure this? Just intuition? Lisa, you guys were using the uh, pendulum, correct? We were using the pendulum, and um, Lisa is definitely a lot more sensitive than I am. And I think that that definitely played into it, too. And mm. from the sounds of things, from what you all were telling, Jeff, you and Lisa were telling me, a lot more experience than I am, too. So. Mm. But, yeah, that we were, we're having some movement with the pendulum and things like that. Mm. Well, I mean, I got to say that, albeit the wife may be somewhat <laughs> good with a pendulum... <laughs> Um, uh, <laughs> three, two, one. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I gotta say, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know what, I don't know what that means. You know, a pendulum. I mean, what is, what are we talking about here? Are we talking about like some kind of, um, I, I mean, Lisa, what, what does the pendulum, what does that mean? What does that do? I mean, are we talking about that? We're not talking about a spirit actually moving the pendulum. We're talking about involuntary muscle movement that is talking to the subconscious. And Yeah, you know, if if we want <clears throat> Lisa being slightly less than tactful, which is honestly what I kind of do really well when I talk, um, I'm not really a big believer in, in either a Ouija board or a pendulum yeah. because of that. Right. But... Yeah, let's just go with that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, we're, so we're talking about like you know automatism. You know, this like you said, same thing with a Ouija board, right? Uh, but the question is, is you know, is it wishful thinking that the pendulum is moving and answering your questions, or is it that you are trying to stay still and you're you're talking to some kind of uh, subconscious awareness that you're not aware of on the outset, but you can get right. some kind of answer through this. So. I think that, you know, I will have to go with the the uh, the feel of the room did most definitely change while we were in it. Yeah, I will. Yeah. I will one hundred percent back that up. How how did it change? I mean, it went from what to what? Um, I I for the, for most of the night, I really didn't have any problem in that room. There were just a couple of occasions where it stopped from being a a normal room to the air kind of get got heavy, mm-hmm. and you know it. it feels thicker and this is the green room we're talking yeah that's the green room right i mean that, that seemed to be like the room yeah. i think really yeah i think for, so too but for... that back carriage room was weird <laughs> I, I didn't i was not a fan of that room i jeremy you're a little nutty i don't know that i could have locked myself in that room <laughs> well jeremy what, what did you get in there i mean tough job but somebody's got to do it um well it was the weird thing of the, the reason I came out of that room was I started hearing church bells, which, you know, there was maybe a church nearby or something that, mm-hmm. but it was three in the morning. So it just <laughs> <Yeah>. seemed completely <laughs> odd that, you know, the clock strikes three and suddenly, you know, that seemed to be when we were getting st- strange feelings about things and, oh, yeah. and all that. It's that trigger point. So that was when I left, but I didn't, no, there was nothing that I would, I I, I could separate from my own just fear of being in a creepy room alone, you know, as, right. as its own sort of fear in and of itself. No, I didn't, uh, I didn't get that. I mean, really the green room was the one that I felt the most thickness, if you want to call it that, or had the most, um, paranormal, if that's the word experience in, 
mm-hmm. um, outside of, again, that upstairs living room just when we initially went in there. Mm-hmm. Um, but then not again after that. But um, before we get into my green room stuff, let's get back to the kids. So here's, here's I think, what happened. And, it, and I think we talked about this uh, at the at four in the morning or whatever it was when we, um, when we recorded our original chat. Um, right. So if I'm repeating myself, forgive me. But I, I think what we said was you and Jason, Lisa and Jason, were down in that room and you heard children giggling coming from maybe the carriage room. And I was excited because, hey, great, then we'll have that on tape because there's the camera in there. Except that the battery in the camera had mysteriously drained to nothing. Mm-hmm. So it's as if these kids drained the battery and were giggling about it, maybe. Um <laughs> But then you did get the giggling or some sort of noise on your own voice recorder. Was it giggling that you heard? Because there's a part two to this. Uh, what was it? First of all, was it children giggling? What what exactly did you hear? Um, well, it sounded like to us it could have been children giggling or maybe even singing. Um, and it was funny because we weren't sitting there asking questions, uh, you know, directed towards any spirits. We were just having, you know, regular conversation. And we both picked up on it at the same time, looked at each other, and like, you know, that's kids singing. We know that's our friends upstairs. Could you make some noise for us? You know, I remember standing up, looking outside to make sure there's no three-year-old kids running around outside at three in the morning. (laughs) And uh, sure enough, there were none. So um, at that point, it was just constant. It was a constant noise. Like, it just kept going on and on, even to the point where Jeff was coming down the stairs, and it still was there. And and it was coming from the carriage room or from that area? That's where it sounded like it was coming from to me. Uh, And Lisa, you heard this as well? Lasted, I want to go for at least a good 20, 20 seconds at least. I mean, it, it was it was a long enough time, Jason said, for him to get up and start wandering around the room. And for us to hear Jeff start coming across, the, you know, across the upstairs and down the stairs. I mean, it. Um, were you scared or what was your feeling about when, when you guys were hearing this? Uh, not scared. I want to go with uh, heavily questioning. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'll go with that. Yeah, it was definitely interesting and to the point where you've been trying to, you've been listening for stuff all night and finally you're like, wow, this isn't just like a 2 second blip. This is going on and on and on and it was uh pretty cool. Right. And it wasn't moving. Was you know, I, we had time to to ask, you know, is that moving or not? Because earlier in the night, much earlier in the night, um there had been a couple of girls who were more than likely drunk since it's a college town. Mm-hmm. Running, running beside, like further out from the house, but you know that you could hear moving and was also a substantially different noise. But you know you could tell that it wasn't moving. That the the volume, while whether it was increasing or decreasing, was not moving. Mm-hmm. In the course of reviewing, we we basically we canned uh, the stairwell because, and again, I, I mean this show is kind of impromptu, but. Um, you know, and getting everybody together, we just want to talk about what we what we heard. But at the very onset, Mark gave us a tour of the whole house. 
told us what had had been seen and where. Uh, He did mention kids on the steps. Uh, He mentioned, you know, if you've got some kind of a a ball or something, you could sit at the top of the steps. Maybe they'll roll it down the steps. Maybe you'll hear them. People have seen them. Uh, The green room was associated with a Confederate soldier. Correct. Right. And uh, he has been seen top to bottom, full body apparition that basically walks in front of people and as if more or less like a who goes there type of attitude to him. They refer to him as Hank. Whether or not that's his name, I have no idea. Uh, the very back room, I, I don't know that there was any special, you know, there wasn't anything especially attributed that room as far as I know. Um, Just that um, they had a um, they had issues with the door in there, that the door would open. The door would open, right. When the man was carrying boxes in and he had his hands full, the door would open. And... Mark Nesbitt said to him, well, that's that's interesting. You know, he's like, well, I'll tell you what's more interesting. It did it three times, <laughs> open and closed three <laughs> times for him. So, you know, you had all of this, but you also had throughout the whole house, what Mark says he gets on EVP more than anything else is a, a woman who was Miss Kitzmiller, who I got the sense that it might be, and we'll have to ask Mark about this, if if her history wasn't a little bit hazy, her her husband passed away. They said that she's kind of um, firm. Uh, she's a firm woman, you know. She very proper. Per, yeah, very proper. Very, you know, got to be a good hostess when you have company over. That sort of thing. Um, Carol Nesbitt said, you know, that she tends to act up when she doesn't, uh, you know, have cookies and drinks set out for company when they come to the house. That sort of thing. But I think. What he was getting at was that she's she has a tendency to be a little pointed uh, with things that, uh, you know, he asked, uh, do you miss your husband? Did you miss your husband when he passed away? And they got no. <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, and and so we were calling for her most of the night. We were talking about her. Is the lady of the house in here? Do you like men? Because I'm a man, baby, yeah. I notice that window's not rattling. Guess you don't like this man. Now, interestingly enough, about 300 yards out from the house is the grave, the cemetery where Miss Kitzmiller is buried, where... Uh, you know that whole lineage of people the from family, the house yeah. are built, are are buried there, and. Um, there is a tombstone that just says babes. How many kids? We don't know. Um, but to hear children in the house like that is a little weird. Right. When you've got a, a, a cemetery plot, that's there's no names. It just says babes. So were these, I don't know, uh, crib death, uh, you know, some kind of late miscarriage, premature kids that passed away? I don't know. Family dog. Right. Yeah. yeah I mean, who, who's to say? <laughs> I mean, you don't know. Um but all of that was explained to us before we went in. But I think, to be honest with you, kids was the least thing we were talking about. We were talking about Miss Kitzmiller mm-hmm. and the soldier downstairs. That's what we were looking for. Yeah. And we got none of that. Right. We did get a couple of EVPs from the upper floor all the way back, like directly over the carriage room. They are so faint, they're practically inaudible. But they sound like a woman. And uh, let me let me stick with the kids for a second. That the, at the point 
that you guys were downstairs and you heard this, and I've listened to this tape a million times now, you hear what is like a, <laughs> you know, kind of melodic laughter. Uh, and it sounds like there's more than one. Mm-hmm. And at a certain point after that, you kind of whisper to Lisa, is that kids? Yeah. And she's like, that's what it sounds like. And, um, uh, and then you hear creaking, and that's me coming down the stairs. In perfect timing, I might add. <laughs> uh, uh, so you hear that. Now, at the same time, I had a camera on the stairwell, which Mark said it'd be a good idea to put a camera here on the stairwell in case anything shows up on that because we have had a lot of activity around this staircase. On that camera, we picked up the kids' laughter, hollering, whatever you want to call it, singing, and uh, and it's more than what we heard on the handheld recorder. Right. There's farther more. away? Uh, in distance from where they think the noise was coming, yes. If it was coming from the carriage room, then it was further away than they were. I but, mean, in terms of the two recordings, do they both sound like the same distance? Equidistant? Yes. Yeah. It, they, they. But I would say both of them sound distant. Now, the question I got for the two of you guys, uh, Lisa and Jason... When you were hearing this, did it sound distant to you, or did it sound like there were kids in the back room? That's exactly how it sounded. It didn't sound like they were distant. It sounded like they were in that back room. I mean, yep. that's, that's huh. how it sounded. I mean, well, how is it possible that the recording in the uh, stairwell, because it goes stairwell, room, 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 kids' room? <laughs> right, yeah. Back, uh, how right. is it possible that, that it's the same distance away? As you guys who are, what's that, three or four rooms away, and you guys are, you know, two rooms away. Right. Uh, Okay, so now here's, um, before we get to the footsteps, because we're not (laughs) done with these kids yet. Right. Pretty much the only photographic evidence we've gotten is a photo of uh, a boy. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you're gonna, if you're willing to put this online by Friday, but I gotta tell everybody, this is... The best ghost photo I've ever seen. <laughs> I mean, really? it is what it is. I have Why not you... seen a better looking, like, you know, did you draw that? I mean, that's Casper. <laughs> it's a little boy or maybe a little girl. You know, maybe the facial features need to be a little more defined. Yeah. But definitely, it looks like a little boy to me. Sorry to break in with this quick little update. But when I said that it looked like a little boy, it was based on a photo that Jeff was holding up to his webcam on Skype. Uh, I didn't see it in any great detail that way. So when he did send me the actual photo, it actually looks like it could be a girl wearing some sort of suspenders or some type of dress. Maybe. Anyway, time back in. Well, I mean, and that's, and I'm not even sure who took that shot uh, because the camera got passed around a lot that night. I know that my wife had it some. I know that, uh, well, I know that my son had it a couple of times too. Uh, but that was in the green room shooting towards the carriage room, which is separated by a, a wall that I think is probably later put in. I'm not sure that that carriage – I think that whole back area, the two last rooms in the rear were the whole carriage area right. of the house. Uh, they've got it separated basically the back room being sort of like the workroom where the tour guides – fix their candles, put their candles in their little, um, their lanterns that they carry when they do the tour. Um, I mean, that is what it looks like. I mean, the one before it too is interesting in that 
there almost seems to be a figure running, uh, like in profile. I haven't but, seen that photo yet. Well, yeah, I got to send you that. There's there's no head on it. Uh, the head seems either not there or blurred completely away. The feet are completely blurred away. Uh, I would say that the uh, the one that, that you're talking about that you say is really good, I would have chalked that up to possibly looking at the wall in a very dim lit room and taking it a step further and saying, am I just looking at the Rorschach effect here? Am I just trying to pick something out of the, the ridiculousness? The problem with that is, is that what appears to be part of an arm, which there is no hand attached to that I can see on it, uh, is crossing over the door frame. And it is over the door frame. Now, my thing with this is two things is number one, like everybody doesn't know what I do. <laughs> okay. So, I mean, <laughs> consequently, I'm going to go over this thing with a fine tooth comb in every way I know, you know, before we put it out there, because I want to make sure that I'm not seeing something that's not there or that there is some kind of explanation for it that I'm not thinking of. Um, it certainly looks like what Jeremy says it looks like. However, again, he has no bottom half. It seems to be only the top. Well, when you say no bottom half, uh, you mean what? He has no legs that I can see. But he has a torso. Yes. I thought he did have legs. I thought he just no. had feet. No, there, there, I, I haven't found anything that looked like feet at all yet. No, that's right. Uh, and I haven't found anything that even remotely resemble legs in this either. I can definitely see what seems to be a light-colored head, a light-colored shirt, and then lines, I mean, definitive, you know, parallel upward lines that look like they would be suspenders. And then and then across a uh, darkened area that seems to be the upper torso of what would be like overalls of some sort or something like that. And arms. Uh, and arms, yeah, that seemed to, you know, and like I said, it would be this this child's left arm seems to be encroaching over onto a darkened dark wood frame, door frame. So the question for that is, is if it's something on the wall, could a, I mean, you got to turn every freaking stone. You got to say, is this a, is this a happy accident where just the right series of things happened? Did the flash hit the right way? Did, uh, a piece of fluff fly in front of the camera at just the right moment, and we're seeing something that's possibly not there. I don't know. Um, but image-wise, I'm obligated to, you know, to, to, to put it through its paces to see if it, if it holds up to anything that I can figure out. Uh, I'm probably going to go back to that area and shoot that in, in light and, uh, and, and see what kind of, I don't know, correlation I can make with, with the lightness and the, and the patchiness of the wall well, when you versus the light. It, mm-hmm. was, uh, it was a darker photo. You lightened the photo to see what it was you were noticing. Oh, it was, pra- it was practically black. I mean, there's not a whole lot you so can tell. So what did you from- notice in the original? Uh, well, I noticed it in both of them. I noticed uh, as I was going along in order that there looked like there was something in one photograph. I pulled the, the, the thumbnail up. I threw it into Photoshop. I started brightening just adjusting levels. That's all I was doing. And uh, not even going into channel-specific stuff, not even looking into the channels themselves. And I saw what looked like somebody running. And uh, as I lightened it more, it held up. It stayed in 
in, in a lighter area of the photograph. Now, if that's the case, I should be seeing things in other parts of the wall because there was a light source on the table, a dim light source on the table. So as you, as you get closer to that light source, you should see a little more um, modeling of the wall, uh, texturing of maybe the tablecloth and these kind of things. The problem is, is I think we, I mean, I did not use a flash. I don't think this flash was operating. Um, I, I think when my wife took pictures, she turned on the flash and used it that way. I wasn't interested in catching a lot of dust or, um, you know, bits of leaf that were, you know, that had blown in that night from people coming in to take their tours. So I didn't use a flash. They're very dark. They're very uh, grainy. And that's another consideration to think about. I mean, this is all stuff you've got to go through um, when you're looking at something that looks weird. However, the photograph directly after what we would deem the good one, there's nothing there at all. And I will say that that the one directly after that is or seems to be very fuzzy, very out of focus, not not at all discernible. I mean, if you didn't know what you were looking at, I mean, and we looked at that at that <laughs> that scene you know, half the night tromping around in there. Uh, if you didn't know where you were looking at, you wouldn't be able to tell, oh, that's a doorknob? That's a door frame? Okay, whatever you say. <laughs> so I think it deserves to be looked at. That's for damn sure. So, um, you know, once I put it through it, you know, I'll throw it out there, and anybody who can look at it and go, I think it's this or I think it's that, that's fine. Um, but again, everybody knows what I do. So, I mean, the best I can tell you is that it's not fake. They were all shot right there with everybody there, and uh, and nobody was pulling any funny stuff. We didn't have a projector in there. <laughs> there was no projector with a little boy on it, you know? <laughs> it's like... All right, so let's get uh, to uh, the footsteps. Mm, what what well, are we talking about here? Well, I have to tell a story first. Go on. Jeremy and I were downstairs in the green room. I think it was after 3 o'clock. After th- and I think and I think everybody at this, oh, at the, I know on, what this, this story is. I think everybody on this show at this point. <laughs> <laughs> shut up! I think everybody on everybody on this show right now can attest to the fact that it was a damn interesting time. But come three o'clock, <laughs> the place like breathed. I mean, it was weird in that place at three o'clock. Not only can I say this, my camera battery died. Two cameras ran out of film, and one of my DVRs went out. But earlier in the evening, Jeremy and I went down to the green room. He wanted to uh, sit and meditate in that room alone. Uh, I set up an IR illuminator, which was sitting on the table, and I pointed it in the direction of the room, flipped the night vision on the uh, high 8 cam, and let it roll. And when we came down, I mean, what was it 20 minutes, half an hour later, Jeremy? Mm-hmm. Um, I went to move the camera to put it kind of on him in that room as, as opposed to the doorway where Mark had said, people see this soldier. I went to move the camera. I picked up the IR illuminator off the table, and that thing was in excess of 100 degrees. It was so hot that it was ridiculous. Now, I've never had it do this before, ever. And you know that because you had a uh, laser thermometer. A digital thermometer, and well, when I when I first picked it up, uh, it was it was I had to drop it because I couldn't hold on to it. Now my first reaction to that was, "Holy shit, I have burnt 
this tablecloth that Mark signs his books on, I'm going to get in huge trouble. It didn't do anything. In fact, the table where I picked it up from was cold. I mean, colder than the rest of the table. But the flashlight or the IR flashlight itself was hot. I don't have a good answer for that other than when I watch, number one, they were brand new batteries. I mean, brand new. I put them in minutes before taking it down there. And when we watch the tape, you see the entire room fill with black in a matter of five to seven seconds from being a brightly lit with IR illuminator capabilities in there pointing and lighting up that whole room. It turns black. The interesting thing is it only goes black in that room. The door frame, the wall closest to the camera, everything's fine. You could immediately say your IR burned up, you had a, a poorly wired unit, and that's what happened. The problem is, is that when Jeremy and I go in there and I say, feel this, you can clearly see the IR is lighting up my face like nobody's business. And it is acting just like a normal flashlight would. Uh, so its capabilities were still full on. It was just hot as fire, and um, and I don't have a good explanation for that. That's never happened with that unit, and I've owned it for three years now. I, I got no good answer for that. Later on, after 3 p.m., or 3 a.m., rather, Jeremy and I go down there. Now, admittedly, everyone at this point in the evening is getting a little woozy. The excitement seems to be dying down from, you know, the uh, the, the, the activity that we got at 3 Jeremy's laying on the floor. I'm sitting there. And we're talking to the air, as we say. <laughs> and I said, if there's anybody in this room, can you make a noise for me? And I hear the strangest thing I've heard in this house ever. And it sounds like this. <laughs> and I look over, and there's my cohort, and brother in arms asleep on the floor in a haunted house. And I said, I just said to myself, that's it. I've had enough. I want to go home. And I got up and Jeremy opened his eyes for a second when he heard the creaking of the floorboards. And he goes, and of course, in Vaney, I'm really tired speak. That means, are you leaving me? And I said, I'm just going up to get some new batteries. I'll be right back. <laughs> and I went upstairs. Lie. I went upstairs and sat down <laughs> and left him to die. <laughs> and I said, Hank, as I left the room, I said, Hank, if you're here, stick your foot in this kid's ass and get him moving. Um and, and Jeremy, actually, you came upstairs later on and said, not only you bastard, you left me to die, but uh, you said that you heard something and felt something down there. Well, yeah, I heard a, uh, I mean, it was shortly after you left, um, which didn't mean that I got up right away and fled in fear. Right. I probably should have, but yeah, it was just a loud thump, like somebody had walked on the floor. I mean, I could feel it reverberating on the floor, so it was like a loud, like, you know, that sort of, not a creak, but like a thump, like a real thump, like somebody had jumped on the floorboards. Stomped, yeah. Yeah, stomped. But that was it. And mm. that wasn't that wasn't enough to get me up just yet. <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, you know, at that point, we went, everybody was upstairs, and... um 
And and here's here's a really interesting thing. And I wonder if, you know, people like Jason and Grant or, you know, the boys from Ghost Lab ever have this problem is that me and Jeremy and Lisa, as in Violet Lisa, were in the room all asleep. And off in the bedroom was my son, my wife, and Jason, all asleep. (laughs) (laughs) And I said to Jeremy, you think it's weird that I'm in here with a girl and you and my wife's out there with my kid and my best friend, one of my best friends? You think that's a little weird? He goes, oh, what the hell? They're both named Lisa. So what's the matter? (laughs) Uh, True. Happens to be true. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, everybody, I think, flaked out really quickly. Um, uh, my son was out, I would say from one o'clock on, <laughs> he slept, he slept well. And, uh, uh, Jason was flaked out on the floor. Jeremy and, and I, and, and Lisa were in that back room. And now I gotta, I gotta kind of put a little caveat with this thing here that I was really tired and it was probably getting close to daybreak. At this point, uh, it's still dark outside of me, but it's getting that kind of that sickly blue twilight look to it. And um, everybody was asleep. I could hear everybody breathing and snoring and all of that. Uh, Jeremy got up and got on the floor out of the chair. I stayed in the chair with my hat down over my eyes. Now, this is in a room that's fairly small. How big would you say that back room is? I mean, f- maybe 15, 16 foot long by how wide? Eight foot, yeah. ten foot wide. It's not that big. Yeah, and you've got a door in the middle that leads to the kitchen. Now, the light was on in the kitchen, and I hear, uh, I, I mean, it woke me up. Somebody is walking into the kitchen, and I kind of pushed my hat up over my eyes to see what, what it was, but I didn't push it up so high that I'm looking at the whole door frame because I'm really out of it. What I think I saw <laughs> was... Somebody in flat shoes wearing what my wife tells me is called a muumuu. It was like a material that was almost down to the ankles, and it was light-colored, as I remember. And I just – I said, eh, Lisa, and I put my hat down over my eyes. Now, of course, my wife wasn't wearing that, and none of us – but none of us was wearing shoes. Did you see we ankles? T- yeah. Were they white? Were they black? Yeah, white. Um, but it was not like, oh my God, it's a ghost. It's not like that. It looked like a person. I'm, I'm going to say this again. I can't trust my own perception of that because I was so incredibly tired. It was one of those things where I, I said something to myself that rationalized what I was seeing as my wife's walking in to see where, where am I at? What's going on? Uh, but I asked her, I said, did you get up? Uh, after everybody laid down, she says, I didn't get up until everybody was up. (laughs) Everybody was down. I stayed down. I wanted to sleep. Uh, So nobody was out there. Nobody was wearing what I saw, and none of us were wearing shoes. Now, interestingly enough, on the audio that was running, because we took the old trusty Mac and the blue snowball, and it was running at the time we were all asleep. And yours truly had to endure over two and a half hours of snoring. <laughs> but when I got 50 minutes, 55 minutes into that recording, you can hear someone with what sounds like 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 girls flats walking into the kitchen, 
shuffling a bit. You hear a rustling sound that sounds like some sort of material, and they walk back out. It's that quick. And, um, I mean, in my mind's eye, I can sit here and I can picture that those feet and those legs and that, that material, um, I can picture it in my head perfectly. Can I say that that actually happened? I don't know if I can or not, but you can definitely hear someone in that kitchen as we're all snoring. And we're back. Jeremy, wake up. Oh. Are you looking at me? So so that's the thing. Now, you know, my wife said to me, she says, do you think that maybe Miss Nesbitt came in to check on us or something like that? Now, here's the problem with that. Every door in that place uh, you would have heard open, especially the one in the kitchen. One of us would have woke up. I mean, the one in the kitchen, the door actually sticks. And, man, when you open that baby up, it was probably the cold and the, the heat from the day swelled that door up. And it was like a crack, you know, when <laughs> you would yeah. open that door. Uh, and you would also hear someone walking across that second floor big western porch that they have on the side of the house. Right, yeah. I mean, those boards were creaky and... And it's a very hollow thumping when you're walking across. All of our shoes were out on that deck. So what that was, I have no idea. But whoever it was, they weren't in there very long. It was like they walked through, looked in the back room, turned around and walked out. But there's a rustling sound that sounds like that sounds like taffeta. It sounds like uh, something with without like a high frequency r- rustle sound. Right. And uh, and I have no clue what that was. So, but there's definite solid footsteps. Right. So, figure that out. <laughs> so, I think we have just one more thing to cover from our night there, which was um, my little meditation thing in that room, which I think we probably covered in the, you know, the 4 a.m. after chat. Yeah. Except that now that you've had a chance to look at the footage, what do you think happened? We're, we're talking about... There's a theremin in the middle of the room. There's me against a wall, and I'm letting this meditation energy go, and mm-hmm. the theremin at some point slowly but surely kicks in and then gives an even tone that doesn't go off. Well, I had the, you know, I was not sure if that was because of something I was doing or because something in the room uh, was responding to something I was doing or what. So you looked at the video of that, and what did you see? Well, when I look at it and I'm sitting there, I, I mean – We've got this uh, this camera directly on you. You can see the theremin is far out in the floor. Uh, I would say a good three and a half, four feet from you. You're doing the the meditation thing, and of course your hands are going. And I don't know how else to explain it other than you put your hand up almost like the a la casual C. Kyle. Uh, <laughs> if I can say it that way. Well, it's not out in front of me like that. No, no, no. I'm talking about the casual Sig Heil. I'm talking more along the lines of, do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? So help you God. Right. It's that kind of – that's probably the better way to explain it. <laughs> um, 
and he, and he he puts his hand up, and as his hand comes up, I'm watching this and I hear, <sighs> and I'm like, my wife and I both looked at each other like, what the hell is that? <laughs> we turn the brightness level up on the camera, and you see that the heavy breath, heavy breath, was Jeremy, <laughs> and as he puts his hand up. And his hand flattens out. That's pretty much even with his chin. His palm of his hand is pretty much even with his chin. You hear him. You see his chest, his stomach go. <sighs> and up comes the theremin. I think it's you. Hmm. I think it's you. Uh, I don't necessarily think it was anything in that room. I think it's whatever you're doing um, is affecting something. And again, I have to preface it by saying I've had that theremin set on that that kind of thing at, at band gigs. I've had it set that way in my house for hours on end, and it's never made a peep. And we take it down there, and you're sitting there, and you're doing your thing, and it starts to, you know, it, it, it doesn't just come up with tune. It, it starts as a and then it gradually works into this consistently rising tone over the next many minutes. To which you're saying, can you step away from it? <laughs> you know, can you back away? It's getting really annoying. Can you stop that? <laughs> you know, and I think it's you. Um, well, I do which is interesting, too. Yeah, that's interesting, too. But I find it odd that it it went off earlier in the day when we first set it up in that living room. Yeah. Um, and it was like I'd given a demonstration, I think, to Lisa just to you know, show her this is what it is, this is how it works. And then we went into the kitchen. Mm-hmm. And then it started going off while we were in the kitchen. And that was at the point where that room felt like there was something in it. Yeah. And the point where it went off downstairs with me there was a point when we felt like there was something in it. So, Well, let's not forget that on this recording, as you're meditating, you're saying, or I think it might have been before you were saying, is there anybody here? Can you make yourself known? Can you say something? Can you touch something? Can you move something? And... um and then you just go into meditation mode and, like I said, the hands start moving. And, and I would say after the theremin went off uh, and you were sitting there, you said, I can smell cologne very strongly. Right. And at another point, there was some other smell that you talked about in there. Uh, I can't, and I can't remember off the top of my head what it was, but you said that you had seen a, a – I think you said you had seen some kind of – Fuzzy, do you remember seeing anything like a fuzzy white spot or uh, something like that? Mm, uh, but, you know, nonetheless, the theremin went off. And uh, again, I don't have a real great explanation for that other than it doesn't do it here at home. It hasn't done it at numerous band gigs that I've been around all sorts of electrical interference with it. And it's never done that. Uh, so I honestly don't know what to say other than. It's it could be something you're doing because I find it weird that you exhale and it off it goes. <laughs> I mean, just like that. Yeah, when I first heard those boop 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 boop, boop I thought you or somebody was outside tapping on the window trying to scare me or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but there is um I mean there is this one interesting thing that I've got a hard time figuring out, and that is the camera that was set up in the downstairs back carriage room. I set the camera up on the table where basically they 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 take care of the the candle work and there's a coffee pot there and you know it's like a little break room type of thing. At a certain point, 
in the video. There is what looks like not very far from the camera and definitely on the same surface the camera is sitting on pops up a bright light that looks like a star. And it holds there for several minutes and then it blinks out. Now this star, when it first comes up, almost looks like or puts you in mind of somebody pointing a laser pointer at the table. It flares up and then it and, it, and then it recedes a little bit, but stays steady. A uh, little bit of a, I don't know, kind of like a pseudo scintillation effect on it. It's sparkly looking. The weird thing about that for me is that as we were all in that downstairs room together in that green room, I looked over at Lisa, who was sitting to my right, my wife, Lisa. And at the very back of her ponytail was looked like a, a little white star. I couldn't tell if it was on her, if it was on the wall, or floating behind her head. Was it on her? It wasn't on her head, but I couldn't figure out where it was. And the more I think about it, the direction that it was coming from, or the direction I was looking, if you could take a drill bit and drill a hole through the walls, I think you'd be looking at that same spot where that camera was sitting, roundabout. Yeah. You, at least it was now, why would you see phenomena like that through two walls? That's what's weird to me. So I don't know. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know what that is, um, but I'm still kind of you know looking at it and trying to figure was out. Was that at the same time? Yes. So you're saying at the same time it was in one room, it was possibly in another. Yeah, because you can hear us talking on the, on the thing. I mean, you can hear us actually speaking in that room. So I don't know what to make of that either. Um, but it was weird. And I also saw, uh, again, on that room, as we were all, Jason was across from me, and I saw on his arm was this, it looked like a white, fuzzy mass. It, it wasn't especially bright, but it, would, it, definitely, it was definitely there. And as I saw this kind of move onto his arm and disappear, he rubbed his arm. <laughs> And I stopped everybody and said, why did you just rub your arm like that? <laughs> and he's like, I don't know, it's just cold. I was like, I just saw something on your arm. But it, but we had no camera running in that room when we were doing that. We had DVRs going galore, mm. but we didn't have any cameras running during that downstairs session. So I don't know. I don't know what the little star-like thing is, but I've seen stuff like that before that I never associated with anything like a haunting. I, that didn't occur to me. I saw something like that years ago with a friend when we were out hunting really early in the morning. And we saw a star that was on the ground. And we kicked at it and stomped at it and rustled the dirt. And you could not cover it over. You, I mean, it was just like it was there, but it wasn't there. And yeah. we both saw it. So, I mean, all in all, I'd say the place has definitely got activity in it, whatever it is. I don't know. We got EVPs. We got a photograph of something we definitely all had personal experiences there that and and the feeling that is that heaviness is so undeniable when you would walk into that room it was palpable i mean all of that was really strange uh so i mean it's got my vote that there's something going on there that is of that paranormal nature i don't think by any stretch we've seen everything that that place could offer as 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 evidence um you know, this stuff does not react on command. Well, except uh, for that kid photograph. Except for that. Um, <laughs> but I, wouldn't you like to see something like that with your eyes? I mean, wouldn't you want to see that? No. 
I mean, would you? <laughs> I mean, would, would you? I mean, every time I walked into the green room from the front part of the business, um, I was like, I turned that corner thinking, is that guy going to be standing there? <laughs> you know, he never did show up. In fact, we never got anything uh, of him at all. We never. I, is that EVP that that we captured? That is that him? I don't know. I mean. I don't know. Did we get an EVP from Miss Kitzmiller? It sounds like a woman, but it's it sounds like a gravelly voiced woman. Right. Um so I, I don't know. I mean, but there's definitely something going on there. But Gettysburg, where can you not go? Where can you not go down there? That it's like that, I, I was telling you the other night, we can go to the McDonald's and get EVPs <laughs> probably in the McDonald's. Right. If we to, yeah, so. yeah. I mean, it's it's just the whole place has got a really bizarre feeling about it, and it's a completely different experience when you go to someplace like Spangler Spring, like I did last weekend, with three other people, and that's it, and there's nobody there. Uh, that's a whole different bag. Um, when, when we went there on this trip, that was the second place we went, Jeremy, where Jeremy just conveniently audience disappears <laughs> and it, it's pitch black. It is a weird ass feeling place and, uh, we can't find Jeremy. Jeremy's disappeared. And, uh, my wife and I are standing there and she goes, do you see something dark moving way out there in that field? And I said, yeah. I think that's Jeremy. <laughs> and oh, she Jeremy. says, and as, and as we're, as we're walking towards it, she goes, I hope to God that's Jeremy. And I said, well, if it's not, we'll have a story to tell. <laughs> um, but, uh, um, uh, you made the statement in that field, uh, after we left that you felt surrounded. Mm-hmm. And when we went back there and Cody's girlfriend went with us, who had never been there, had never been to Gettysburg. I don't think. She was walking back to the car, and Lisa that night, my wife, was very uncomfortable. She wanted to leave. Everybody but me saw some sort of light phenomena there last weekend, or weekend before last, rather. Uh, I didn't see it, but all three of them did. Uh, I wanted to hang around some more. Lisa wanted to go. And as we got in the car, or as we, rather, as we were walking back to the car, my son's girlfriend says, I don't know, that field, you just feel completely surrounded. <laughs> and I just stopped and I said, what did you just say? <laughs> so, I mean, there it is from someone who's never even been there before, could not have you know, gotten Jeremy's description to a T like that in the same verbiage. Uh, and that is the feeling, that you're just completely surrounded. What that is, I don't know. But I want you, Jeremy, to tell everybody what happened out there that you just – Twaddled off on your own and left us all to die. Please. I thought, yeah, I'll go play in the mud. Right. Um, well, I don't know. I just, uh, I could feel the tugging of whatever this energy is. So I decided to let it go. And it basically just walked me over to the edge of the woods uh, to where this sort of white tree is, I guess. And did a bunch of, you know, you know my shtick, the goofy hand gestures. A lot of walking around backwards in a circle. <laughs> I don't know what that's about. But I felt, like I said, I felt surrounded. At one point, I smelled, uh, after slapping my chest a number of times, as this thing is prone to make me do, uh, (laughs) smelled what smells like gunpowder or, you know, that sort of smell. Um, 
or a match being lit, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I was blissed out. I felt like whatever it was that was surrounding me, like there was some sort of, dare I say, communication going on that was just fine. <laughs> you uh-huh. know? Like there was nothing nothing bad about it. No, like, my God, I'm surrounded. It was like being surrounded by old friends or something. Um, and I had actually, you know, thought, gee, you know, I wonder if whatever this energy is, if it's sort of exercising this field or something. And then later you had basically said, gee, I wonder if that's what you're doing. You'd said sort of the same thing. Gee, I wonder if you're like a light attracting these things and, you know, mm-hmm. ushering them into it or something. Opening you know? doors, yeah. Uh, yeah. To which, wouldn't that be funny if I accidentally exercise the green room in the Nesbitt home. <laughs> I don't think that's, I don't think that's what you did because I got news for you. Uh, when we went, um, to Spangler spring, uh, a, a week later, Lisa, my son, his girlfriend, we all smelled horse manure and gunpowder. And I mean, it was strong. I will say uh, the only time I, I did hear noises in the woods. Uh, and of course, the caveat there being it's the woods right? Uh, was when I started, you know, asking, I started asking, you know, is there anyone there? Can I see you? Can you make a noise or whatever? Nothing. And then I asked if your friend uh, in the sheet, <laughs> Oh, great. <laughs> if he was around, if I could, you know, and then that's when it sounded like large branches snapping in the woods. <laughs> yeah. He, he likes the woods. <laughs> there you go. Take that for what it's worth. Right. <laughs> but were there people there around me at any point? Like there like I know I walked by a tree. Were there people sitting by that tree? No. Because a lot of the time that I was out there I heard people laughing and um and I never mentioned it because I thought that there it was so obviously people laughing that maybe there were tourists out there like behind me or something. Maybe they're laughing at me, or maybe they were just sitting by that tree laughing or something. There mm. were some people uh, I think Lisa said that there were some people in like a little like alcove of trees there, but they were far enough away from you where you probably wouldn't have heard them. So right. they were also um, sitting completely still. Like I walked up on them and scared the hell out of myself because they were sitting so still, doing absolutely nothing. Like they were, so yeah, mm. that that wasn't them. Huh. Now when you add laughing to the mix, I don't know. Well, well, when you're when you're walking into that field. There's the spring or the monument of the spring mm-hmm. is there on your right hand side. Jeremy walked all the way as far as you can go into that field towards the tree line, but there's another tree line on your left that's like a short cropping of woods. Is that where these people were sitting? Yeah, where the okay. rocks are there in the middle. There's yeah. like a big uh, group of rocks there. Too, okay. So, um, now I wouldn't, I wouldn't say there was an. A great deal of noise going on out there. Not at all at that time because that was close to close, right? And, I mean, and there were a good bit of people out there too. There were about you know just there were us, there were those people there, and there were some other people over at the parking area. But there was like no noise. I mean, no, nobody was being no. loud. Not like Triangle Field where people were hooping and hollering and screaming and laughing. Yeah, I mean, you know, well, there was a lot of laughing going on. <laughs> so well, maybe that's why I was so happy. Maybe. You ever, you ever think it's a possibility that you're an astral comedian? <laughs> <laughs> no, but now I'm going to think about it. Thanks. There you are. <laughs> Here, here's the question for everybody, Jeremy included. When you're out on a ghost hunt, uh, as they say, uh, of course you're going to be piqued for anything that might happen that you think is weird. Do you think that that's... A lot of what this is, is that 
you're like the little kid laying in bed at night listening for the bump in the night, and therefore you hear the bump in the night, and there's a monster under the bed. Uh, yeah, we got voices on tape that weren't us, and we got weird lights, and we got all of that. That's okay. That's fine. Is it proof? Not by any stretch. Not even close. Many people would dismiss EVPs as, as any kind of interference that you would want to talk about. Uh, radio, TV, whatever. If it's got a wire on it, it's an antenna. End of story. So they dismiss it that way. Right. I don't. I can't. The uh, The notion that this is what you're there doing and this is where you are. You're in this place that's steeped in this haunted history, <laughs> you know. Do you think that that adds something to it to where you're you're more sensitive to the little creaks and bangs and does that you know does that kind of you know what does that do for you as far as like this is what you're here to get you got evidence of some sort as feeble as it may be it's still something um yeah well I think you you said it you know when we were all in the green room where you said you know at one point you felt like a little hand on the on your back, but mm-hmm. you also then said, you know, this is the kind of thing where if you're expecting this, if you're in anticipation of it, mm-hmm. then any sort of involuntary muscle twitch could feel might, like a touch, yeah, could feel like a touch. And, and maybe that's what happens on these go shows. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I, you know, and I definitely felt that way. I mean, there is that feeling of the anticipation of it, the heightened senses, uh-huh. the sort of, um, not quite fear, but almost the cusp of it in your gut, that sort of almost sacred feeling of, you know, something could go down here. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think all of that plays into it, but, you know, ultimately, what have you got recorded? <laughs> you got, yeah, exactly. You got what you got. Um, Lisa, what do you think? Does that Does that do anything for you as far as, I don't know, unexplaining certain things that... Uh, that you may get at a, at a, at a, a ghost outing like that. I mean, I would think it would be impossible to say that, uh, that there wouldn't be anything in that, that you would hear in a night like that, that wasn't because you were maybe a little overexcited, but at the same time, um, I feel like we kind of had a pretty relaxed group where we wouldn't have all fallen asleep by five. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, obviously nobody was really that, that terrified by anything or, you know, well, we would have been up all night. I mean, isn't that the other thing that, you know, that at any point were you like, you know, actually, no, all the houses that I have been in that are supposed to be haunted, that was one of the most relaxed ones I've ever been in. As far as, you know, the feeling, I mean, no, if you've ever been in in a house that you walk in and you know you have to leave right away, but <laughs> yeah, you know, once yeah. once in a very blue moon you come across that one and there's a very big uh, difference. Yeah, you know, and that this this was this was a nice haunting. <laughs> yeah. Jay, did you get that same kind of feeling like you there wasn't anything to be afraid of there? Like you could you could handle being there by yourself? Yeah, like alone? I mean it was very I mean very relaxed. Um, I don't know if I'd want to be in that back room by myself in that house all night by myself. <laughs> Yeah, um, I felt I felt comfortable enough to find a nice cold spot on the floor and go to sleep. And uh, yeah, but for the you know the majority of the night, you know, I thought it, it went well. I didn't feel like any kind of ominous presence around us at any any time, no. or else no. somebody would have felt something, you know, out of all of us. But yeah, so um, and since my wife's not here, you know, she she basically said the same thing, and, and she is, I would say, kind of 
to a point easily spooked in strange places that she doesn't know. Um, as am I a lot of times, but over the course of the night, I got really comfortable in that place. Like, you know, man, if he ever sells this joint, well, I don't know about that. I'm on the ticket, you know I mean? I, I, I mean, I really like the place. I really liked the place. It felt by the end of the night, it felt absurdly familiar. And, uh, I, I will say that, that as we were all going to sleep, um, Lisa came out to tell me that she was going to go out and lay down. I said, okay. And, I said, I try to go to sleep, but every time I do, I feel like somebody's jerking my feet. Um, <laughs> I had my feet up on a chair. And she's like, oh, my God, why did you have to say that? I felt the exact same thing. And I think Jeremy said that uh, that he had that. I mean, it was like it's a little weird thing. Again, you can chalk it up to, you know, your average hypnagogia. <laughs> you know, there it is. You're going to sleep and you feel that floaty feeling sometimes. <laughs> you grab the bed sheets. Well, it was kind of that same type of feeling. I think, you know, it, unless you're you're psyched on being super critical of everything, then, um, you know, you could damn near easily spook the hell out of yourself just about any place, especially those battlefields. Yeah. So, I mean, let's, let's put that out there that uh, I, I definitely think there's – Stuff going on in that in Mark's house. There's no doubt in my mind. There's something going on in his house. Um, but uh, I think we all tried to remain pretty calm and cool. And and uh, and I've been going over evidence pretty much ever since we got back because uh, there was so many hours of camera footage. Like, <laughs> and let me tell you, people, if you've ever, if you've never done this, it's like watching paint dry. <laughs> I mean, it's brutal. Yeah. And, thanks, thanks for not asking me to help. At first, I, I offered. <laughs> And then when you said no, I was like, oh, thank God. <laughs> yeah, it's brutal. So, I mean, props to, uh, uh, you know, Dave Tango and uh, Steve Gonzalez who do it every week. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, it's like just staring at a, at a stairwell. Yeah, I for, did it for about, what, an hour and a half with you. Yeah. Said, oh, I got to go home. I got to go. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, I mean – but it, but it's, but it's neat when you do find something, when you do hear something, that makes it worth it. And, uh, um, and I, I gotta say, I'm friggin' hooked. Uh, I mean, I'm hooked. I'm going back again this weekend uh, to roam the fields and, uh, and and get what I can get. You know, just keep going and going and going. And that's, I mean, it's so close for me that it doesn't make sense not to go and and check it all out. So. Cool. Um, it was a great time. I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, and thank you guys for uh, coming along and. Keeping us entertained. <laughs> yes, yes. And, uh, being a part of it, you know. Yeah, absolutely. No, it was uh, my pleasure. It was trusting a- us not to like be serial <laughs> killers or something, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, and here's the other guy that uh, we got to thank, which is uh, Mark. Well, the two we have to thank is Mark and Carol Nesbitt for 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 being the most amazing people to let us, uh, practically total strangers, come into their house and I don't know, spend the night. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean. Thanks, thanks to both of them. Uh, it, it Mark gives incredible tours of the town of Gettysburg, uh, candlelight walking tours that you can you can go for. What uh, they're into winter hours now, so it will be Friday and Saturday nights only. Go to www.ghostsofgettysburg.com and, uh, and get signed up to go on a tour because they're great. And, uh, and Mark is great, a great guy. Mark and Carol both were very trusting of. Two morons like Jeremy and I <laughs> to bring a host of people into their house they don't know and let them spend the night in their business and home. 
Uh, so many, many, many thanks to them. Absolutely. And uh, we're going to be doing uh, something special with them in coming months that uh, listeners can get involved with. So uh, stay tuned for that. Uh, any final words, Jason and Lisa? Um, uh, just that uh, I want to say thanks again to uh, Mark and Carol Nesbitt for having us up there. And um, they've been nothing but great. Um, mm-hmm. Me and Lisa went back up a couple weekends after, and Mark stood there and talked to us for about a half hour and gave us gave us some heads up on places to hit um, off the battlefield. After you get kicked off the battlefield, there are some neat places in town you can check out. Mm-hmm. Um and thanks to Jeff and Jeremy for having me, mm-hmm. and uh, I look forward to doing anything we have coming down the road. Uh, I think me and Jeff are discussing some possible places we might be able to get into, and uh, mm-hmm. it's going to be fun. Yep, pretty much same here. Thanks for including me. Had a great time. Um, I do have to comment that uh, my biggest scare of the night was waking up to Jeremy having somehow wedged himself, I think, pretty much beneath the futon that I was sleeping on, waking up and yelling, are we still recording? Because that, that ended my life. Lisa, let me, let me make thing one, let me, let me make thing one, one thing brutally clear to you. If you think it was an accident that you woke up with him underneath of you, you're very wrong. You were sorely mistaken, madam. Yeah. And on that note, well, uh, I guess Jeff and I have one last story of the weekend. Um, that is the, of course this happened when we didn't have cameras ready, although I did have my, my camera phone. And, and so I'll put the pictures up online of uh, part of what we saw. Let me set the stage for you. Um, it's Sunday night, um, and I've got to get on a, a 9.15 bus Back to New York. Um, so I am waiting for this bus that never comes. Jeff, uh, sort of out of the kindness of his heart, I guess, comes back for me. <laughs> and um, instead of going inside the bus terminal where there are, like, you know, a Kentucky Fried Chicken and a Wendy's or something, Sparrow, one of those, uh, where we could sit and relax, we decide, uncharacteristically, to stand outside um, and wait for this bus. So while we're standing there, Jeff is facing me, and I'm facing out across the parking lot. This is in downtown uh, Baltimore, is that right? Correct. Um, And I see, up pretty high in the sky, this sort of giant cream-colored light just sort of come on and get bright, 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 and then wink out. And I say, "Uh, Jeff, is there a flight path around here? And you say, yeah, there's a flight path right there. And, uh, you know, I say, okay, well, I tell him what I saw, and... um, and uh, he says, yeah, it was probably just a plane. I'm like, all right. It, you know, it didn't, didn't quite look like a plane to me, but all right, what do I know? So we keep talking a little more. And then at some point in the conversation, he leans in and whispers into my ear. Go ahead, Jeff. What'd you whisper? I don't remember. Good. This <laughs> I is love what you. Jeff whispered. <laughs> yeah. I love you. I love you. <laughs> you complete me. <laughs> you uh, had to get hello. <laughs> This ghost thing was a ruse. <laughs> yeah, he leans in and he whispers in my ear, probably because he doesn't want whoever's out there listening in. Uh, you know, it's funny you should say that you saw a light, because as I was pulling back into the parking lot, I mm. thought, uh, I, I saw all the headlights from cars and all the just sort of street lights around here, and I thought, gee, you know, somebody could get abducted just walking across this parking lot and no one would ever know. So well, that made me walk a little bit faster. Well, it, w- it wasn't only that. It was that 
as I as I walked out of the parking lot and across, like there's the the big area, the big long area where the buses pull in, but there's you know a, a pathway behind that where your cars go through out of the parking lot. And as I'm walking across that, I'm seeing these lights from cars. I just got a really uneasy feeling, and it's a feeling I've described on other shows at other times. That is um, almost like you could get sucked up at any second into nothing. I, I describe it as falling up. I just got this really light feeling, and I picked up the pace, and I thought, you know, as much as everybody's occupied with bus schedules and getting to their car and picking up their loved ones, somebody could disappear right in this very spot. I don't think anybody would notice. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it was that kind of feeling. And so pretty much just as you finished saying that, boom, there's the cream light again, and I go, uh, Jeff... And you turn around and you see this thing and you're like, yeah, what is that? <laughs> then you start now, looking at it you're like, that's not a plane. Now let's, 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 uh, I don't want to say this, but let's qualify this. <laughs> uh, we're talking about something slightly bigger than a quarter out the outstretched arm. I mean, I would say maybe double the size of a quarter, um, maybe at the outstretched arm, inch and a half, almost two inches, maybe it's a big light. It's very big. And it's way too high to – I mean we have to kind of paint a picture here that as we're standing looking from the parking lot, you have a parking lot that the topography slopes down, goes down a, a slight hill, and you've got a large overpass that is going into the Harbor Tunnel throughway to take you underneath the Chesapeake Bay and then into the inner city. First thing that came to mind is it's a street lamp. We're seeing a street lamp that's burning out, that's flaring up, and that's what it is. The problem is it's three times higher in the sky than the highest lamp. <laughs> so there's no way it's that. When you see an airplane, again, 95 corridor, it is a flight path. I see them every single night on my drive home. They can look weird if the landing lights are on as they approach BWI. They're very bright. Scintillation effect is in full play. But the problem is, is that when they dim down, you see the 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 the, uh, the hazard strobes going. You know it's an airplane. This thing flared up, very very big, very very bright, and winked out, and there was nothing there. Nothing. I remember Jeremy said something to the effect of, "I wonder if it went up in the clouds." And I felt like. Christopher Walken in communion. What clouds? There were no clouds. What clouds are you talking about? This is a cloud. Actually said that. Yeah, there are no clouds. It's a starry night. It's very clear. So that didn't explain it. So from there, Jeremy. So I went in. I asked, "Where the hell's my bus?" Uh, They said, "We don't know." You know, bus driver. They don't. They don't. They don't check in with us. We we don't know nothing. Apparently, that's you know in the. What, hundreds of years of bus service they've not figured out uh, how to communicate right. with the stations. Uh, once they leave the station, they're, they're rogue bus drivers. That's right. <laughs> There's a Sarah Palin of transportation these people. Right. That's, that's it. Okay. So, uh, so I go back out. We talk about it. And I, I don't know if it was at that point or the next point where I say, you know, I'm not one to call UFO right away, but I'm calling <laughs> UFO on this thing. Basically, another light came on lower in the sky yeah. that was green. 
that did the same act. It swelled up and then it blinked out on itself. The platform that you're standing on where the buses pull up, I would say every six to eight feet, there's a square plexiglass covered light that is above your head. And they're all on. I mean, they're all on all the way across the front end of the bus station. You had noticed that the light went out above me and you said, you know, that the it's funny that that light went out because I was just uh, thinking, you know, wouldn't it be weird if or wouldn't it be great if if the light would go out uh, so that way right. we could take yeah. a picture of it. We could see it better and we could, you know, yeah. maybe take a picture of it. Yeah, let's lighten your eyes. That's let's right. Let's your eyes. Right. Yeah. So you had said that when that happened and then I got my camera out, uh, my camera phone out. I'm like, yeah, good idea. We should take you know a picture if this thing comes back. Right. Um, right. If the light had gone back on over me subsequently and then at some point it went back out again and as soon as it went back out again jeff goes okay get your camera ready (laughs) and then as soon as he said that bing there's the green light (laughs) it was like clockwork and i was like you've got to be kidding me so i took a photo of this thing yeah uh it winks back out we're like this is this is insane and then the light goes back on over me again the next time it happens the light goes out over me and over jeff there's like a square one sort of like diagonal to jeff Mm-hmm. So it's like light over me goes out, that light goes out, bang, there's the green object. Again. I, again. I, and there, there's no way that this could be in any way related to the bus station. No. I mean, this thing is no. like not – this is no. way far away. Yeah, it is. It is. And again, let's let's make it clear that the, the big white light or cream-colored light was, I would say, 35 to 40 degrees off the horizon, pretty high up. The green light was less than that, but it was closer to the horizon, needless to say, but nowhere even remotely close to being near the overpass lights. I mean, still well, well above that uh, and quite far away. I mean, if I had to judge it from the vantage point that we were, I would say it was over water. No fireworks being shot off. I mean, the damn sure had a weird look about it. It did not look like a flare. It did not look like a spotlight. It did not. I mean, it looked like a spotlight in the freaking air aimed right at you. Um, that's the quality that it had. And the fact that I timed it, I set my watch. We had a seven-minute interval, uh, a 14-minute interval, uh, a three-minute and an eight-minute, I think, or nine-minute. So it was completely erratic. There was no pattern whatsoever the as pattern far as was time. Anytime we would say something, it would respond. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was the pattern, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So this goes on. I don't remember how many times this thing came on. Um, was it much more than that before we went out into the parking lot? No, no. I mean, I think after that last time when when I said get ready, I think it was one more time after that, and and then we said let's let's and you said you know what it's doing? It's staring us to go out in the parking lot. <laughs> right. And, and I'm like, thinking I'm not going out there. And then I'm like. Well, I am, and then, you're, and then I think you, you, you. I think any time that there's even the hint that you're being a wimp, you're like, "Well, I'm gonna go. Forget it. I'm going." <laughs> well, you like run out into the parking lot. Sooner or later, you just realize at least I'll have somebody to talk to while I'm sitting naked on the bench. <laughs> oh God! Yeah. So we go into the parking lot to get a little closer to this thing, and it did it come on again, or did you say something first that made it come on? I can't remember how many times it came on in the parking lot. I don't remember, but you know, there's there's a portion of the story we're not going to discuss the, about what I said. Right, but actually, uh, Jeff said something that was that it responded to, and it was such a a horrible tricksterish joke. Yeah, that 
Jeff was just like in complete disbelief and shock. And yeah. I didn't know what the hell he was talking about. I'm like, what are you talking about? He said, like, don't you remember what we were talking about at dinner? He's like, yeah. And then he's like, well, you remember what you said? And then I was like, oh, that's right. Oh, that's yeah. morbid. It was really, it was really a gross joke. And um, cut to, I go, this thing stops showing up after that. We go back to um, the bus. The bus arrives, and this little old lady is yelling at the bus driver, you know, where were you? And he says, well, this is the time that I'm supposed to arrive. By now, it's uh, about 40 minutes later, 45 minutes later. Mm-hmm. Um, no, that's not true. It's an hour and 15 minutes later, isn't it? It's like 1030. Yeah, it's much later. Yeah. Um, but in any event, he says, yeah, the bus driver who was supposed to pick you guys up at 915 uh, just never showed up. <laughs> So I would love to know if that guy was an abductee or something. If, if some <laughs> Wouldn't that be a story? Yeah. yeah I mean. Uh, so in any event, there, so I'll put these pictures up on the board. You can check out the green light. Didn't get the cream light. But it was, as Jeff had said then, it's as if there's this giant cream light, you know, and it's trying to get our attention just long enough to say, okay, now that I've got your attention, here's this more faint green light that you guys are going to be able to see. And, mm-hmm. and play with. And when we were in the parking lot, Jeff said, you know, I can't really, it, it's not that bright. And I said, well, it is from where I am. He, when we were in the parking lot, I was basically at the same angle we were, you know, I think uh, yeah. at the station. Same and Jeff station. was sort of off to my right. So it was directional. I, I then moved to the left and the right while this thing was in the air. And he was right. You know, it, it, so it, you if you were standing in one spot, it looked completely bright. If you're standing to the right or the left, you might have seen sort of a dim light in the sky and not paid any attention to it. Right, right. So I find that interesting in light of, for instance, Whitley Strieber's story of seeing that, um, that whatever, that the Chad drone UFO or whatever that's called. Right, yeah. Outside his window that, you know, he tried to get his wife to see and she couldn't see it. And so he stood her exactly in front of him and then she could see it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that that's... Um, or what Lisa and I saw in the park at mom's house was the same exact thing. It was a silver ball and... She didn't see it. I saw it. I pull her literally in front of me and, oh, yeah, okay, I see it. You could take one step either direction, left or right, and completely lose it. Um, so, yeah, it seemed directional. I mean, this light definitely seemed directional. Um, but I think I don't think you can underplay the, the, the green light of, number one, how green it was. I mean, absurdly green. Yeah, uh, oh, for the beautiful. distance, it was like a beautiful yeah. emerald green. Yeah, yeah, and um, and how bright it was. I mean, the 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 initial white cream light was big. I mean, big, big. It looked I mean, like I, when I, when I, mean, I when I did my movie and I went up to that mountaintop, mm-hmm. uh, and I was telling the story, you know, with Mark Olson and his brother and friends of mine, and I'm telling the story and we're waiting for UFOs to show up, and as I'm telling the story. Uh, this sort of white or cream-colored light just flares up, gets brighter and brighter and brighter, like it's coming at us, like it's you know going to land on us or something. And then mm-hmm. just as I get my camera to capture it, it uh, it winks out, and it winks out in that same. It, it was the same way, you know. It had that mm-hmm. same feeling to it, yeah. As this, yeah. Thing. So there you are, ghosts and UFOs Together in the again. same weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see if we can't get, capture them on film at the same time. Jeff, right, that would be it. Jeff's new goal. That's my goal. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, that was weird. I mean, that was real, real weird. So there's our first uh, shared sighting. Very interesting. You know what else was weird was I remember at one point saying to it uh, while we were at the station before we trekked out to the the parking lot, saying out loud, you know, 
what do you want? Like at this point, I've <laughs> taken a photo of you. We've seen it several times. Mm-hmm. If this is something real, what is it that you actually want? You know? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why I thought, well, geez, maybe it wants us to go out into the parking lot or something. Mm-hmm. But maybe it really wanted to tell that joke. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, I, I got to say, I don't even know why that came to my head to say that, you know. And I didn't say it necessarily in a joking way either. I mean, it just, you know, it just, I don't know. It was it was just in my head and out my mouth that quick. And, now, is this uh, something we're ever going to be able to tell people or is it? Uh... No. <laughs> no. I won't be a party. I won't be a party to that. No. I mean, that's just, uh, I, I think that that would be entirely too much for most people to swallow. You know, I mean, it is so out there. And and again, but does it fit totally within the pattern of anti-structure? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, does it fit the marginal part? Absolutely. So, you know, it fits the pattern, but it's, you know, it, as far as I'm concerned, that's like way too, that's just way too harsh. You know, I mean, I think that that's just uh, something better left unsaid. Right. I mean, the sighting stands on its own as far as I'm concerned. Ah. Um, and you so, went back there and, and saw that there is nothing there, right? Uh, yeah, I went back in the daytime. Uh, oh, you did go back in the daytime. Yeah, I've been there in the daytime twice now, and uh, there's nothing there at all. Well, so you I, know, it's interesting to me. Just we'll, we'll wrap this up. We'll leave it on this little cliffhanger of a note, which is remember what Teokas and Ghost Horse said when I asked him, so what is it that you, when you're sitting around with people who are Lakota, who are essentially enlightened in the same way as you what is it that what is mystery to people like you and the first word out of his mouth jokes anyone in here hank children that was just the house jesus